Okay, let's start the show. It's April 9th, 2015. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. I'm Will Smith. Joining me today, Norman Chan. Hello. That is a big giant laptop you have in front of you. Well, I guess if you're comparing it to something like the Lenovo Yoga Pro 3, the thinnest laptop, Ultrabook so far. It is a huge laptop. This is a huge laptop, yes. Um, no MacBook out yet. Seated directly to your left, Jeremy Williams. Hello. Looking at the, you know, it, it, maybe it's just the angle. It, just, it looks kind of like Darth Vader's laptop. It's yeah. it's it's a normal laptop. I guess it is laptop. a normal. It's the X one. It's the new X one. Oh, right? look at that! The eye is lit up on the back of it. That's clever. It's like not Apple, but Apple. You know, if you cut a hole in the metal well, on you the know, back, that's red though. Yes. Oh, really? and also the Apple, uh, the uh, the new Apple one will not light up in the back. I know. So the MacBook comes out on Friday. Comes out on Friday. Cannot um, pre-order it. Oh, really? You got to go to the store? Wait, well, there's like no pre-order. It still says coming soon on the website. Oh, so you just have to order it. Why did they... I, I, I feel like that they are, are... That they either... You think it's a production problems? Mm-hmm. Which is pure speculation. Or that it is a very planned move that they decided not to do pre-orders well, for the new MacBook. It's also the, I, the Apple Watch uh, pre-order slash try-on day. Is real confusing because... If they want people, presumably they want people, I'm sorry we're jumping right into Apple stuff, they want people on this Friday, April 10th, to buy two things, or be in the market for one of these two things, a watch or the the new MacBook, which is a big deal for Apple. Yeah, it's a new body. Um, but they also are seem to be moving people away from buying stuff at the Apple store. Thank goodness. So... Why not do pre-orders for this MacBook? What's wrong? What was wrong with making an announcement, getting people pumped up, presumably, a month ago, and then not having any you never, availability? You never can tell with Apple, especially with, with iPhone releases. It's like every other year, it's something different. Well, one year, it's easy. One year, it's a holy living nightmare. The yeah. next year, it's easy again. The conspiracy theorists will say it's for scarcity or to get, you know, to... to but uh, to hype up the uh, the availability with news reports because people are, you know, the news stations are going to be out in front of every big Apple store um, that morning, talking to people online and and the high fives and all that bullshit. Uh, I, and all the emphasis is going to be on the watch. And I know that they want some attention on these these Macs. So I, I think in the Tim Cook era, and I think I've said this before in the podcast, so apologies, but. I feel like in the Steve Jobs era, the idea of for scarcity creating buzz because there's a big line kind of like that, that actually seems like something that Steve would have done and been into. But since Tim Cook came up as the logistics guy, I have to imagine that that like the idea that they couldn't submit demand on a product that people wanted would seem like a personal failure to him. Yeah, it's egg in his face. Yeah. Uh, um, this guarantees people in the Apple store on Friday. Right. Like if if the phone reviews came out and were overwhelmingly negative and no one showed up on Friday, that would be embarrassing. But at least now the, the stores will be filled with people who want to buy the so, Mac. So I was in. OK. I, and, and that's a good point about the reviews. I'm sure. And we're not privy to this, but I, I'm, 
I bet people have these MacBooks, reviewers, and have been testing them for reviews. It's Wednesday now. It's going to be either late tonight or sometime tomorrow when the I, reviews come I think out. It'll be, well, yeah, it'll be Thursday evening when the reviews usually come out. It's, I bet. Uh, usually it's in the evening. And it's just, it's, it's weird. I, I think, I think, here's the thing. I went, to, I was at the Apple store yesterday to get a replacement for the Duke. Rip the Duke one. The iPhone 6 Plus. The, my iPhone 6 Plus, which I, I dropped previously, had a little tiny crack. And I was like, oh, this is bad. There's a hard rain going to fall on this one at some point in the future. And it did this weekend when I was ma- busy making an appointment to go to the Apple store because it was crashing a lot. I was getting like some weird, weird behaviors with crashing. As I stood up from that, I dropped it about 18 inches onto the hardwood and it exploded spectacularly. <laughs> like it was a really good norm. I don't know if you have the picture, but it was it was an outstanding oh, break. Yeah. Yes. Norm took a lot of pictures of my busted iPhone. Um, I noticed it's still not in the case. Like, you won't admit that this is a thing that happens. You can't cage the Duke. Right. Oh, my goodness. It lasted for six months. All I got to do is make it another six months, and I'm good. Tempting fate. Yeah. Um, So I tried to, you know, squeeze as much information from the folks on the ground as I could about what their preparations for the watch were. And they basically said, look, we're doing appointments. There will be walk-ins that will be available to try. You know, you get a 15-minute appointment to try on different watch bands and see which one you want and you can pre-order. If you know which one you're going to want to pre-order, you can just go straight to the line and there'll be a pre-order line. Or you can do that online. Um, And there'll be some walk-ins as well. But they're like, they, they, they said they've had a lot of training to learn how to help guide people into making fashion choices rather than, um, oh. but, but, that's, but, but that's, it's admirable. But here's the, the question that they answered that I was surprised they answered was that they weren't planning to do a full store takeover like they do on iPhone launch days, which now that I know that they didn't let pre-orders happen on the MacBook, Meaning you can't, that, that the only thing you can do in the store that day is get a phone. Like on iPhone launch days and sometimes even the day after, I think. I feel like it goes on for longer than you would expect. You can come in to buy iPhone accessories if you have a new phone. But if you don't have a, if you, if you didn't wait in line to pre-order on iPhone launch day, yeah. basically the only reason they'll let you into the store is if you're buying a phone. Really? Or if you have an appointment yeah. for like business repairs wow. and so stuff you can't like that. Like buy a, you can't buy any other product? You, no, could, you I, couldn't go in and buy a pair of headphones. I've seen, I've seen it happen. Weird. I've seen yeah. the disappointment on people's faces. Like, I didn't want a new phone. I just needed to buy a Mac for school or yeah. something. I just wanted to go see the new phones in the thing. They no, no, no. They, they, if you want to see, if you, if you want to be a, a gawker. They don't let you in. Or a freebie internet user. If, you wanna, if you're going there to write your great American novel at the Apple store or, or do your Skype overseas phone call, that's so not Does that happen. mean they don't expect the traffic? I What that told me, and I'm this is my interpretation, is that they're expecting like an iPad 1 or 3 level of traffic, not a iPhone Six so or lots five of curiosity, S even, but not and lots Look, of people who are, if they're set on buying it, they're going to buy it. I think you have a significant percent of of those people being the uh, sell overseas. Um, you yes. think so? Cash in hand. Is it an international sale? Well, but I mean, will it work overseas? They have the ability to lock it, like lock it to regions. So if they're not selling in China and you have a China iPhone, it's entirely possible it just won't work for you. I think these the, the gray market. Entrepreneurs There's, are going to bet on it regardless. Are going to want to get product in their hands because even if they cancel overseas, they'll just resell it here because it's going to be hard presumably to find. in demand. Yes. Um, I don't know. I, all I remember is that on iPad launch day, you could walk in at the end of the day. You could walk in and buy an iPad if you didn't 
if you if you wanted, especially if you wanted an unpopular SKU, if you wanted like Sprint Internet and a 64 gig model, yeah. you could go in at five o'clock that day and it was no problem. That was true of the iPhone one launch too. Right. All right. So I mean, we'll see. I think this is going to be an interesting interesting Friday. Um, we'll talk about the Apple Watch reviews in a little bit. Um, Are there Apple Watch reviews already? Oh, yeah. They're all out. Oh. Like, the embargo was this morning. I did not get a chance to read any of them. So, Gruber, The Verge, uh, Topolsky at Business Inside, uh, Business Week. Um, uh, Nile. Nile. Uh, did you say that? Yeah, so, uh, The Verge. Um, the definitive review. That's why I watched it. <laughs> um, okay. I have to say... Like oh that, my goodness! Okay, this photo is amazing. It's a, it's a ten minute video review. It's a it's a pretty good video. Like that video gave me a pretty good idea of what it's like to use the watch, which is which should be the 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 goal with a ten minute video review. No, of something I was looking at the, the beautiful their their big spread. Oh, it's gorgeous! And this this typography they chose. And it's a very Ron Burgundy. There, there's. Ask. Uh, okay, it's, right, it's anyway. a cohesive piece with the video. All right, okay. I was impressed with it. I thought it was pretty good. I haven't read um, it, so I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy reading that tonight. A uh, few few small. If you're gonna read two of the ones that I've read so far, The Verge and Gruber are the two to read. And Gruber spent probably two thousand three thousand words on it. Didn't even get to how the UI works. He was just talking about the physical device. I have I have both those tabs open um, right now. See you guys in two hours. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's um. It's very interesting. Made me super curious about getting hands on with yeah. the product. I, I we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it in the real world yet. Um, Are they? Would you call them glowing? I guess we'll talk about it in a little bit. We will talk about it in a little bit. There's a couple small hits. Um, the Age of Ultron. There's a new Age of Ultron trailer. I'm dark on that movie now. Oh, good for you. Yeah, that's hard to do. I yeah. bought my tickets already. Really? What you going to open it Thursday night? Friday. Have you watched Friday. the new trailer? Uh, I don't know which one's the new trailer, so I'm oh. presume no. Okay. There's a brand new trailer as up. What happens? The Anything big? Final one. I, I don't know enough about the the backstory, but no, it's just a lot more action. Uh, they all, uh, you know, fight the bad guy. I feel like there's less enthusiasm for this movie being a huge, quote unquote, big thing than the last one. The last one. You think so? Well, the last one was unknown, right? You didn't know if it, like there was a real possibility it could come out and just suck ass. Well, I, I think the anticipation for the last one was because it was the first time in mainstream pop culture movies that this type of crossover event happened mm-hmm. and there was a, a, a real feeling of culmination right and this one does not have that same feeling of culmination it's like a, a revisit to to a world you want to be in but you know. this one feels inevitable in the way that star wars episode nine feels un- inevitable right like i know at this point there will be at least four new star wars movies you know disney is not calling them those, those that, that anymore really uh, they are moving the brand away from episode <sighs> seven, eight, nine. And Wait, what? if you look at how Star Wars is built, the next star, this upcoming Star Wars, in official Disney language, it is Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. It is but not. But it's still going to say episode seven episode above the seven. crawl. Yeah. Yes. True. It has but to. I'm, I'm saying the official title of the movie. Well, they don't want people to think that there's the good ones and then there's the off year crap ones. Yeah. Well, they they really want to. The, I think more also, Captain America, fewer Thors. They also want to, they don't want to hurt the uh, the chances of next year's movie, the in between movies. Right. So it's just going to oh, be I see. Star Wars, right. right? Blank. Star Wars, Rogue One, and it'll Star just be Wars. up to you to know exactly. Right. We we'll know. know. We'll know. We'll know. We'll know. This is Episode Seven. Star Wars, an interlude, Rogue One. It's, we're all talking about Disney movies too, whether it's Avengers. That's yeah. all we, in five more years, it's gonna be like Demolition Man. Disney movies is gonna be all we have left. They'll have all the money, right? It'll be like Jurassic Park. Disney presents Jurassic Park. 
Well, Netflix's Daredevil uh, series comes oh, out. Oh, here's this Frozen week. 2. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, that Netflix Daredevil series is getting really shockingly positive and really gory, like violent reviews. I, I don't, well, re- pe- reviews pe- of it being gory. Yes, people are saying it is very graphic. I don't think it's shocking. I think it's a good, good, really good thing that they produce that just for Netflix. And the original goal was, hey, this is going to go on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the good. Marvel made a deal with Netflix to produce a um, series based on their Marvel Knights um, uh, book lines, Daredevil, Luke Cage, Heroes for Hire, um, not Doctor Strange, but all the stuff will eventually tie into there. How, how are the special effects? I don't know what the budget is, and I haven't seen the series yet. Okay. I think it comes out tomorrow. Like worst case is Walking Dead, right? I think it's going to... Uh, I don't <laughs> think it's... it's uh, Walking Dead is a, a, a different type of budget, but yeah, worst case, I guess. I mean, season one of Walking Dead is what... Like, yeah. when I'm thinking about... When I talk about season one of Walking Dead, I'm talking about some pretty good practical stuff, a lot of, like, blood squibs and stuff like that, but most of the gore and blood were CG in that first season um, and for budget is. and so that they could edit it out if it didn't pass, uh, uh, you know, the, the network standards. By the way, I finished House of Cards. Uh, this week, between Fantastic. the last podcast and this one, I actually started and finished it. Wow! And I was waiting for it to, something to happen because you kind of the reason I wanted to watch it is because Norm said, you know, I don't think there's going to be another season of this. Well, I didn't know, and then but, I thought it's because you watched it and something happens at the end to lead you to believe that. Well, but I'm not left no, no, to no. believe that. No, you know, you, when you, when you when well, we don't. Let's not no spoil, spoilers. Yeah, but let's just say that at the end of the season, you know whether or not there's going to be a next season. But at that point when we're having that conversation, yeah. I didn't know because I had heard I that see. it was only that they originally did a two season commitment and then they added a third season because it was so popular. All right. I didn't, um, that's I didn't, all I, I will say. I didn't like it. You didn't like it? Nope. I, I rate it. I would rate it. Uh, I don't know if Joey, Joey and I were talking about this. Joey's finished it. Uh, in terms of ratings, I would rate the seasons. Uh, Best to worst? A, A minus, B minus. Yeah, fine. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, it was not up to the first two seasons. Yeah. Did in my humble opinion, yeah, is Daredevil going to be all at once binge watching? All Netflix. That's all Netflix all does, right? That's all they do, and it's worked. Um, so uh, Star Wars, they released digital versions of the crappy special editions. They will Blu-ray. Friday. To, oh, that's Friday. Tomorrow, as of this release of the podcast, it's like ninety bucks if you want three terrible movies and two okay, two really good movies. It's and more one than okay that. Movie. With a bunch of it's unreleased hun- special features, it's good. One hundred and twenty bucks. Because it's twenty bucks each. Amazon was selling them for 80, 89 bucks for the whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah, I think if you buy them all together, then you get ninety bucks. If you uh, buy them one at one uh, for that's cool. Because I didn't see that package on iTunes. <laughs> Did that? Does that matter? Or is that what? Are you gonna buy it? Uh, I might. Yeah. I mean, I got kids, dude. They <laughs> well, watch Star Wars. I can you help you with Blu-rays. No, we don't do Blu-rays anymore. It's you uh, gotta be swapping? able. To, you gotta be able to click it or tap it. Wow. Well, I mean, or voice it. Well, you you have Xbox figured a way to, to do that. Give me it's my amazing. Readers. I have my own Netflix. It, every time people come to the house, I'm like, hey, you want, have you seen Plex? Do you know how this works? <laughs> and people are kind of like, how did you do this? And then I start telling them their eyes glaze over and they're like, no, I'm good. I'll just keep buying discs or iTunes or whatever. Can you download locally to an iPad? Oh, yeah. For airplane flights? Oh, yeah. All right. Maybe I should look into this. <laughs> I can do everything you want and more. And I, I know, got what you need. I know people listening are thinking Will's a mad pirate, but you're not. No, I'm ripping discs. You're actually very, very good you about could, that. You could sample Will... I don't even. Will can give you a login, and you could sample the service to see how it feels. Um, that would probably be a violation of some some piracy stuff. See, but I can you know if you would like to if you'd like a demo, I can give you a taste. All right, you know, just get that get that (laughs) arm ready. Smithflix. Yeah, Smithflix is much better. (laughs) Smithflix. 
Um, then you get to subscribe that only fourteen dollars a month, as opposed to HBO <laughs> Now is fifteen. So these digital versions are um, th- presumably off of the special edition masters that that came out as part of that Panasonic promotion in like twenty twelve or twenty eleven, maybe even twenty thirteen. I can't remember. I think it must have been twenty twelve because I remember hearing about this at CES. And oh, I really? think it was the last one that Gary was at because we got really excited about it. And you knew it was this just was coming? Specials. No, no, no. No, no. The, the Blu-ray releases oh, yeah. were three, four years ago. Yes. Um, here's the thing. When Disney bought Lucas, all bets, like previously the official party line on real versions of the first three movies, not, not the prequels, the four, five, and six. Ain't going to happen. Wasn't going to happen because yes. it was going to be too expensive and the prints were fucked up. They were destroyed. In making the special editions, which is which is really a metaphor for a lot of people's childhoods yeah. in the making of the of the special editions. There are a few, very very few high quality prints out there. Yes, that still go do a, a private screening circuit illegally though, because they were supposed to be destroyed. Yes. So when Disney bought them, just like the extended universe got wiped clean. All of that not canon, all that canon stuff now became not canon. I think the same thing happened to the, no, we're not going to ever release the original movies on Blu-ray. So I think that sometime between now and maybe even December, we'll see a re-release of the real original trilogy with no tentacles on the Sarlacc, no no gaping bird mouth on the Sarlacc, no Jabba the Hutt in Star Wars. No uh, Boba Fett being the guy from fucking Attack of the Clones. None of that stuff. <laughs> and Yub Yub reinstated. Oh, Max yeah. Rebo and Snice Noodles back in Jabba's Palace. Oh, yeah. All the stuff that we missed and loved. I think that'll be out by the end of this year. So don't spend 90 what? bucks now. Why would you not release? What, what, what could be better to promote it, goodwill among the nostalgic old grumpy bastards like us? Then to release, I don't think they need to. I, I, I hope they will, and eventually I believe they will. Yeah. To say that they will do that twice in one year is a big f you to to people. When has Disney them. not gone back to the well? No, no. But well, he's saying that everyone who buys it this Friday will be pissed off this December. I don't think do anybody's gonna buy it this Friday. <laughs> oh yeah, they will, man. I think. I yeah, think yeah, Jeremy's gonna buy it this Friday. Don't buy it, Jeremy. If listen, can I talk about despecialized? We've talked about despecialized before. All right. So this past weekend, my family, I sat. My, finally, my daughter's five. I said, "Honey, you're ready. You're ready to watch Star Wars." Yeah. And so we sat down. Pete, my my son, my eight year old son, had seen it already. Everyone's excited. Uh, my, even get my wife involved. It's a family event. Like you make popcorn and have some, yeah. get Cokes, the whole thing. So sit down. It's not on iTunes. No. I, I didn't even realize that. So that, mm. that put a, that was a, a damper. It's on and so Spike. I said, well, hold on now. I've got this thing called the Despecialized Edition. We can watch that. So the Despecialized Edition is a thing made by um, a person who <laughs> basically took all of the high def sources, including like a New Zealand TV airing of the unaltered original trilogy and cut the bits out and then spliced them back into the Blu-ray cuts. Yeah. Army is the guy's Army name. Army is the guy's name. He had yes. access to these prints Norm mentioned earlier. They actually scanned some things in. And I'd forgotten, because it has been forever since I've seen the original versions. Yeah. And it was such a relief not to cringe while you watch this movie. Yeah, when Han Solo steps on Jabba and oh my God. he I, makes a farting noise. I don't even know what you're talking about, because that didn't happen. Right. And it's not just that like he shoots first. Like He just, he just shoots there's, there's no time for Greedo to pull the trigger. It's just like... He's a fucking stone-cold killer. Yeah, Hansel exactly. It's, it's done. Yeah. Sorry for the mess. Walks yeah. out. 
And I, I loved it. I, and so I, I think you're right. It will happen. People will buy it. But people are going to buy this one, too, because I tried to. Here, I know people will try to, and so, they will buy it. So here's the thing. My feeling about the Harmy stuff is you shouldn't distribute it. If you bought the Blu-ray version of Star Wars, which I did because I'm a schmuck, I feel like you have a moral obligation to download Harmy, especially if you're doing something as important as showing it to your children <laughs> for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Introducing it, introducing someone new to something that is as dear. And even, even after all the abuse that we've taken over the last 15, 20 years with Star Wars, I still hold Star Wars, Empire and Return of the Jedi. Like they're all there. I was making a list of my favorite movies of all time this weekend, just because I thought it would mm -hmm. be fun. It's, all three of those are up there. Right? Yeah. They're amazing films. Um, anyway, so don't buy the digital versions. That's my I mean, advice to you. Force Awakens comes out. The, a trailer is going to come out with, I believe, with Ultron, with uh, Avengers, oh, that's right. Age of Ultron. Celebration is next weekend. Are you going dark on Star Wars? Fuck yeah! I've been dark on Star Wars since that first teaser. I watched the I watched that because I had no choice. Okay, but I'm dark the rest of the way. Wow. Unless unless. Like, I, I reserve the right to change my opinion. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna, here's the thing. I'm not going to close my eyes at the age of Ultron when I go see Ultron. You're not. No. That All would right. be dumb. Then you, you better go watch it in a reserved seat and just show up right, right at right, exactly the time. Yeah, after the first row, row of uh, trailers um, and is, scooch in. Is Ultron IMAX 3D, all that it stuff? It is IMAX 3D. Oh, boy. That's, that's the way you want to watch it to get the reserved seats in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, celebration is next weekend. You'll uh, be there. I'll be there. So will Kathleen Kennedy and JJ Abrams on Thursday wow. to make some announcements. I think they were revealing the star Wars force awakens episode seven, I should say teaser poster hmm. of which it, in, when you think of star Wars, oh. there are some fantastic teaser posters that the come out. Jake Lloyd, Jake uh, Lloyd Jake shadow. shadow is mm -hmm. all time greatest. That's, that's, that's one of the great ones. Um, you know, with uh, Jedi Revenge of the Jedi, that te that teaser poster. The, the what was it? The was it Empire Strikes Back, or it must have been Empire Strikes Back, where it's it's just a shell uh, outline of Vader's helmet on a star field, and it's all black. That was a, that was a, I think so. It might have been Jedi coming even. coming back. Yeah, uh, it was amazing. A galaxy far, far away, or something. Um, where is Celebration? L.A. L.A. Anaheim. Um, and then I think well, we know that Battlefront's going to be there. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront. The game? I don't, the game. I don't have EA's a lot of fondness it. for the original Battlefronts. Well, DICE is making it this time. I don't have a lot of fondness for the games that DICE has made recently either. Really? Well, the, well you, you know, high standards, Battlefield man. 3, Battlefield 4, eh. Battlefield, Battlefield 3 was good. 3 and 4 look like the same game. Well, I know. 4 just didn't work. Um, I, I'm very excited. Which one was Battlefront? Battlefront, Battlefront was the one. Was that the RTS? No, no, no. It no. was the first person shooter. A lot of AI, and it was developed by the studio that, that then pandem did pandemic, pandemic do it. Yeah. And then they did two of them. Uh, and you got to fight in the Ewok village. You actually got to do Hoth from first person. It was like Battlefield. It was uh, multiplayer with a lot of AI characters running around. Oh. It was a lot of fun. It, it was basically Star Wars Battlefield. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but like Norm said, tons of AI. You couldn't tell when you were shooting an actual human, was that's, my knock against that's it. That's right. Um, the that's it yeah I, I, so anything and you're gonna see some costume stuff at, at battlefront at celebration there's, there's i assume some, a, lot of, a lot of cool a lot of cool projects there did you see the girl you were at wondercon last weekend mm -hmm. did you see the woman who made the knitted captain america costume no she had a full body knitted Crochet. captain america costume i did not see her outstanding really really amazing sounds nice yeah it looked like it was probably pretty warm <laughs> Um, DJI announced the Phantom 3 this morning. 
yesterday Big deal. morning for you guys. Yeah, what do you know about that? I yeah. don't know anything about that, Norm. What's changed? Oh, so uh, I know, Jeremy, we were talking about you coveting the Inspire One. Still to this day. To this day. And we're talking about the Inspire One, which launched last December. Expensive, thirty. Like twenty eight hundred dollars if you want to get batteries, like thirty five hundred dollar uh, all in for a reasonable kit. About twice as the Phantom Two. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you got your Phantom last year after we did the review. That was a Phantom Vision Plus eleven hundred, I believe, at the time. Um, eleven or twelve. That was more than that. Twelve thirteen. You're right, thirteen hundred, yeah. and then it, it reduced in price. Plus a battery. Yeah, uh, plus battery. Uh, with the Phantom Three, it looks like a Phantom Two, a little bigger, but Two models, two versions. Uh, differences are the camera. You can get the pr- and only about a hundred fifty dollar price difference each. Hmm. Um, the base model is a thousand dollars. Has a ten eighty p sixty fps max camera, twelve megap- megapixel camera. Does it come with a gimbal? <laughs> a gimbal. Active gimbal. Active gimbal. All right. Uh, remote control. New new remote control. Everything. Uh, the professional version is, I believe. 1150 or twelve hundred dollars. Double check on that price, uh, but has a four K thirty FPS camera. Is it equivalent to the one on the Inspire? That is what we don't know in terms of the sensor. Is it that same four K sensor and that, that nice unrolled unwarped image? It's twelve fifty. Yeah, twelve fifty. So two hundred fifty dollars more. Now it is unwarped because it's not that 120, 140 degree field of view. The Phantom Three, both of them have a ninety four degree ah, field of view. Okay. Uh, which is awesome. Is that compa- is that comparable to the Phantom Two? The Phantom Two had a really it's wide pretty field. wide. Yeah, it's like one hundred and sixty or one hundred and forty or something. And like you that. cropped in in the Phantom Two oh, okay. if you wanted narrow mode, but then you're losing pixels. Got it. You're not optimizing. It's like a digital crop. I, I hate that stuff. Uh, so Phantom Three, both of them, they'll shoot raw. It's definitely a new sensor. I'm not sure if it's exact same uh, sensor as Inspire. My guess is it's not. Uh, but the high end model, 1250, 4K gimbal. Now here's the, some great things. It inherits Lightbridge from the Inspire, so no more Wi-Fi extender for getting your video to a phone. All the signal from the Phantom, everything comes through Lightbridge to, Man, the, that's to awesome. the controller. Do you have the HDMI out on the and controller? I don't know if you have the HDMI, but you definitely have the plug to plug it into your phone. Okay. So you use your phone to, to have the app, and then you can you can control the the gimbaled camera with the phone. So it uses your lightning, but lightning or your your lightning. USB port on your phone rather than yeah. rather than and then Wi-Fi. some limited. It's only limited compatibility. That's why it's not every single uh, Android phone is supported at launch, mm. uh, but iOS will be. Um, it has better satellite tracking with more satellites using Russia's GPS. What? Uh, in no addition kidding. to US GPS, <laughs> so there are more satellites out there that you can get better, more pinpoint accuracy. I've never heard of that. Um, yeah, there's an EU GPS too. And then there's also uh, it has the the uh, v- visual uh, stabilization system camera that points down. Yeah. Inspire does. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not sonar, so you can fly indoors. So you can fly indoors and do auto takeoff and landing. Well, and that's the thing that lets it be more stable on takeoff with you. So it looks like they pulled a bunch of the stuff that's in the Inspire. Yep. Minus the transform. foldy wings. Yeah, so it doesn't transform. And so mm-hmm. you're still going to see the, the leg struts if you do crazy pans. That doesn't bother me. So why would you buy the Inspire instead of this? Uh, well, Inspire, I think you can do two controls with Inspire. I don't think you can do two remotes no. with this one. Uh, I bet the differentiating factor is Inspire. Also, their camera is removable. I think if you're doing professional video work, also the ability to be able to turn the camera without the without turning yeah. your, your quad is pretty handy. Regardless of how good you are with that, especially with, with that, that quad, with second cameraman, the 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 
just the the, sh- the you can't get a smooth stop and start and stop with propellers because it's compensating. There's yeah. gonna be a lag there, and it's gonna be you're gonna get all the wobble. Um, what else? Uh, battery. It's a new type of battery. I think it's a, a 4S battery um, in series, um, mm. four cell. So it's uh, uh, 23 minutes of, uh, of flight time. That's that's pretty good, yeah. From the about 18, 18, 18 to 20. Um, and then it'll also do, because of Lightbridge, it'll you know, get 720p downlink and it'll also stream to YouTube directly from the Phantom if you want. Wait, what? You can stream from the Phantom to YouTube. You'll pipe the signal to your phone and then pipe it up to YouTube. Hmm. That's bananas. Um, that's the first time they've done that? I think it is. No hmm. waypoint stuff yet on this one. Okay. okay. And uh, I think that's it. Okay. It's not the camera from the Inspire. I don't think it's the cam- it's it's not that module. Right. It looks more like the uh the the Phantom 2 Vision module. They didn't announce any Phantom 3s without a camera for people who a lot of people so These are know, all Vision. These are all Visions. Uh well, I think their PR people were were coy when asked specifically about that, so maybe I don't, when that they will come. when they moved from having uh no camera to camera, their sales went off the chart. Like they had, they couldn't deal with it. I think that I think that was a coincidence, though. Why? I think the price on the quads came down to the point, and the awareness of them came up to a point that all of a sudden but everybody. But the price had, was much higher. But but I guess my point is, with the camera, I think the camera was incidental. I think the camera gave everybody a good reason to think, oh, here's the thing I can use this for, and that's that's but, really key. But I think that the awareness also spiked at the same time because yeah, yeah. like right. I hadn't heard of them. I hadn't heard of the, like this kind of consumer quad. Until we went to CES that year, and and that was when they started a big marketing push, and when they started getting a lot of good press. So in their press conference, and you can go to their YouTube channel; they have tons of sample videos. And the night stuff looks good, much like the night stuff on the, the Vision two, Vision Plus, the Phantom Two Vision Plus, not usable. I thought no, it's it's uh, hard to even see to like find yourself yeah. if you have a big light. Uh, they brought up Philip Bloom. Have you seen the video that he shot with the, the Phantom? He went to. Joey, what's that country that Philip Bloom went to that shot a video? It was a southeastern country. Southeast Asian? Southeast like Asian country. Singapore or Malaysia or something? Something like in Malaysia. I, I, I don't want to say, but there's this amazing video on Vimeo that Philip Bloom, a videographer, uh, shot with this Phantom 2, and they brought him on stage to talk about shooting with the Phantom series. And it's, I think the reason you would buy a Phantom 3 over the Spire, Thailand, is you can take it with, it's easier to travel with. That's true. A smaller kit. Like that that bag that we have for the Phantom, which is a big bag. It's a big bag, but it still fits in the overhead. You can get a like a, a Pelican that's not the size of you know, a big suitcase, like a giant, suitcase. like an overhead size Pelican. Yeah, you get an overhead size overhead size Pelican and put that as your carry on, and bring that wherever you travel. And that's what they want people to do. Um, so are they just getting rid of the stock of Phantom Twos and discontinuing them? A price big price drop on those. So what are they now? Uh, I want to say Vision Plus is under way under a thousand. They didn't say exactly when these would come out. A couple weeks, other people got briefings, and we're hoping to get one soon. Is this is this um, will this use the API stuff that the Phantom Two supports as well? I don't know if they're discontinuing the Phantom Two. I would, I would think assume so. so, but you never know. Yeah, maybe not out the gate. Yeah, I would. I would hope. I would hope that if this is like, I would hope that this would continue to use the API stuff if if that's. It, it, they've, we've seen interesting applications of those APIs, so hopefully it continues. Um, but no ETA and price is the same? 
Well, price is a thousand and twelve fifty, so <laughs> a, same as last year for a high end Phantom. I mean, I know a lot of people out there are going to say that's really too expensive because I can build a quadcopter for five hundred bucks or you know four hundred bucks, but this is not the same thing. And you can buy a DJI controller to get GPS to get you know um, the uh, the attitude control. Uh, or Ratitude, and, and, flight mode, and also um, gimbal control too, right? Uh, I mean, you can buy yeah, you can buy a Ronin. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, a Zenmuse uh, gimbal yeah. system or a third-party gimbal system to put your own GoPro on there. Uh, what you're getting with this is all-in-one system where their video signal transfer is going to be better than the other other companies. Right. Your everything gets tied to one controller. You know, one battery system, one one signal, and it's really they really tried to advertise how easy this would be for novices to get involved with, which is not. I don't think it's the best strategy, like from a for a hobbyist for a perspective. hobbyist yeah. and a safety perspective. But they were, they had one of their photographers come up and say, you know, I'm just a housewife and I I don't know how a Phantom works, but I can fly it and I love flying it and I this is my third one I've bought. Um, you know, the last three crashed into the side no, of a mountain. No, it's not, no, it didn't. No, it's not, it's not I know, that. I know, I but, know. but like, I, th- I think communicating how easy it is is a, is dangerous, uh, and you have to be really careful about that. I mean, here's the thing: people are going to buy the if pe- at the price points that these are at. You know, while hobbyists look at a thousand dollars and think that's expensive because they know that they can build something that's comparable for, or at least has comparable flight characteristics for five hundred bucks. I don't know though. At this point, after the GoPro and all of the radio, you know. Well, that's the that thing. You need, you're not going to save much money. And the integration, uh, the integration with the control, like the thing that Norm said is is absolutely right. The integration with the controller that that these quads have for people who are learning to fly makes it much easier. It means that you don't have to have somebody standing there with a separate radio and an Android tablet to get your flight your flight information and your and your telemetry. Um, and as good as the the uh, open source stuff is, it's still. Way hinky. It's still open source, and the UI is not user friendly. Uh, you mean that you can put the quad into it, basically flying death mode mm-hmm. without knowing what you're, but by accident, um, because it's poorly documented a lot of times. 3D Robotics is announcing their own Phantom competitor on Monday. Yeah. Wow. So it's going to be really crowded and. Uh, I believe that GoPro is going to announce a quadcopter soon so, in the next year. So the interesting thing to me is that the the open source t- software has actually gotten a lot more usable in in the last six since we started flying the the 3D robotics quads. Um, I downloaded the latest version of APM Copter and and all that stuff, and it's it is it is much less scary. Like my complaint about it before wasn't that it was scary to use; it was that it was poorly documented. So they would have. Like you would have a, a, you'd have to decompress a reference in the documentation that said this, this. It would say something like this mode is just like this mode, and then when you go back to that mode, it say this mode is just like this mode with this change. So you had to then kind of decompress. Like okay, this mode is an attitude mode with self leveling, and this one turns off self leveling, and then this one turns off GPS in all but the go home circumstances and stuff like that. So it ended up being really difficult. The documentation's gotten a lot better in the last six months. I assume somebody's been working on that. Um, I'll say regardless of documentation, I, yeah. and you're supposed to, you know, you should read the manual and you should know your hardware when you fly it. And the last thing I want to be thinking of is 50 different flight variables when I'm trying to take a picture. Right. And there's a lot to say about, you know, I, I, I can spend the time and I can be comfortable using, you know, open source hardware and, and software. But if they make flying easy and something I don't have to worry about mid flight and I can focus on doing the video or the photos, 
that it, that's the biggest selling point. The, the tool that gets out of your way when you're using it is the is the tool that I want to be using. Um, so Apple Watch reviews. Apple Watch reviews hit this morning. Um, like I said, I read a several four or five. I didn't see any from fashion sites, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, well, The Verge touched on that. They have a oh. they have a relationship with the fashion magazine that they went and spoke to. I'm just saying, that's there. Yes, who's our fashion expert? Who's our fashion expert? Joey. Uh oh, probably Joey. <laughs> um, we should we should get Greg Viderman to no to no, a, no 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 no. He no, he has no, like no. He's, he's the biggest watch collector I know. He buys tons of watches, and, he, and they're expensive. They're, and he's kind of douchey. They're not. He's he's the he's the perfect person <laughs> to be critical from a fashion perspective. Anyway, um, I'm only partly kidding. Anyway, I only uh, I only watched the Verge one. I didn't have time to do more than that. So the upshot was, uh, everybody talked about a lot of the same stuff. Battery life seems to be pretty solid. Um, the Verge review said that there were a couple times that they got under ten percent, but never had any real battery panics, and so that was after that? a day of like hard use. So that was a day of, hey, I'm showing this to a ton of people. I'm using it way more than I would on a normal normal situation, and we're also doing some photography and stuff. So there's like a lot a lot more watch stuff happening. L- let's be clear what these this first wave of review represents. Oh, these are the people that Apple handed a watch to and right. said, "Hey, review this." And presumably, that means that Apple knows kind of what to expect from those outlets uh, but, and people. I mean, from a reviewer perspective, assume that these people how long they have it? They say two weeks. Didn't say three mo- weeks in most cases. Uh, let's say you know three weeks at the most because from the last event. I, I would assume that they got handed at the end of the um, event or at the beginning of the event, so or shortly thereafter. I think the purpose and the functionality of these this first wave of reviews is purely from a technical and functional standpoint of the watch. This, and, yes. As opposed to what? As opposed to the long-term social and experiential. <coughs> this okay. is, these I, the, so don't read these reviews to figure out what, if the, if the watch is going to change your life. Well, read these reviews to see if what Apple has claimed from the technical standpoint I, and the, the application standpoint is true. I mean, that, that, yeah, that, that's the thing. Well, here's the thing. You may read the reviews and see what it's capable of. Like the, the, the best of these reviews, like the thing I like about Gruber's review is it basically says, here's what it's like to use this watch. Here's, here's what happens when you turn this. Here's what this button does. Here's how this works. Hmm. Here's what happens when you swipe up to see the glances. Here's all, all of these different things. It's a subjective version of the Apple product demo. But, it, but yeah, so the, the better, the people who are good at this pull out the bullshit and give you the real, what here's the real life example of how this works in, in, in the real world. Um, I think it's very likely that some people will read these reviews and be like, okay, this doesn't do anything that I need. I'm not going to buy this. Just perfectly fine. Like that is a fair, that is, that is the right way to use this content. So I, I wouldn't say don't base purchasing decisions on this, but I wouldn't say if somebody says, hey, this was really amazing and it changed my life after 10 days of using it. I don't think I would assume that the same thing is going to happen to you. I think there is a lot of people on the fence about the watch, right? More, I, more so than past Apple products. There's a lot of people who are saying, I'm not sure why I need this, but I love Apple. I, I've been, when people ask me what I think about it, I tell them it's much more of an iPad than an iPhone, right? Like the iPhone you looked at, especially after the App Store was out, and we're like, well, I should probably get one of those. That seems like it's pretty fucking great. And the iPad was like, oh, I spent a lot of time reading. Maybe I should get that. But mm. for, if you don't spend a lot of time reading, yeah. maybe and, you don't need an iPad. And you can get the iPad even if you don't have any other Apple product. Right. That Here also is can, true. Here you it's can. an accessory for your, for your phone. Um, so uh, battery life seemed good. A lot of people complained about performance. 
Um, some of that in all aspects of it, uh, from the time it takes when you lift your hand up and get into the looking at the watch gesture, uh, which was people said was seconds longer than anticipated. And whoa, not not seconds, milliseconds longer than anticipated. <laughs> a noticeable lag between when you lift it up and yeah. when you can see the time. Now, how does that compare to other smartwatches? Um, well, the Pebble's on all the time, so there's no lag. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What about you, Norm? Uh, let me turn that mode on. Uh, I think I remember you saying it was slow when we did slow. it before. It is absolutely slow. I do. I've gone to a point where I tap my watch uh, to, to activate it, as uh, opposed to letting the gyro. I wonder if that's an option on. on the iPhone. It is. It is. Yeah. So the thing that Gruber said is you're not. It doesn't. At least in the version he has, and everyone also said that there is going to be a software update between the reviewed units and released, the release yeah. version, um, where Apple saying that they're going to address some of the performance concerns, but. You know who knows if that how much of that will actually happen. He said you couldn't actually adjust the time. He said it was about uh, six seconds that after you move it into the into the gesture, the watch stays on for about six seconds. If you don't interact with it during that time, it'll turn off at the end of six seconds. Even if you leave it in the watch looking at watch yeah. position, um, if you tap it, it'll, it stays on for seventeen seconds. And his assumption oh. was that that's because of uh, the false positivity nature of the gesture versus the not false positivity nature of actually touching right. the screen or pressing a button. That makes All sense. All right, Jeremy, here we're going to do a quick video test. Now, it's in a dim mode. My watch, the, the Asus it's Zen sleepy watch. Time. Oh, so it's always in that. Yeah, it's OLED screen, so okay. I have the always screen on. So yeah. when I lift it up, it's going to brighten up, and you see a yep. I, I, icon on the bottom. Go. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. That didn't do it. Bad gyro. Ready? One, two, three. There you go. That was at least half a second. Yep. Yeah. So it's not instantaneous here. No, I, and I didn't expect it to be. I'm, I actually want to tap it. I think I'll probably end up doing that I, I, because I can do that while I'm bringing my wrist up. <coughs> you know, if it worked instantaneously and worked and had a f- low failure rate, you know, like a 1%, so let's say sub yeah. 5% it failure rate. It wasn't always on. Yeah. Uh, I would be... That would be really, really, really compelling. I think always on is, is the sweet spot, <laughs> but That's, we're not going to be there for a while. I don't, I don't know why they aren't doing always on with an AMOLED, because it's an AMOLED screen in the watch. It's still power. It's still is the Apple Watch power. AMOLED? Yeah, it it's is. AMOLED. You know, and that's something we didn't talk about. I, uh, the, uh, the watch, the AMOLED and the watch, I think is the flash memory of this generation. What does that mean? Oh, you think that's the thing that they're trying to scale? Yes. I mean, that makes sense because if they can get it, like the benefit of AMOLED, I feel like nobody is really exploited except for maybe Motorola with the Moto X. Well, and, and Samsung, who makes arguably the best AMOLED screens, I know a lot of people love and, and DisplayMate has mm-hmm. reviewed its AMOLED, their super very, AMOLED screens very well. Uh, there's still the sub pencil, sub, sub, uh, the sub pixel arrangement in the, in the pentile screen is something that people don't like, which is not to say that is a that is tied forever to AMOLED. The thing, the thing that um, that Ray said in the DisplayMate write-ups, though, is that as the resolution goes up, the pentile arrangement matters less because you can't can you can't see it. see it as much. I can still see it. Oh, you but I, I think that um, on the note, I could see it. Okay. Um, I think that Johnny Ive telegraphed this in his New Yorker profile. One of the many. The that really long one, the one where where he talked about, you know, why does this? Why does a lock screen? have to show me a picture. Like he was talking about why can't I get the ambient info? And he was basically talking about the features that you get currently with uh, the Moto X, mm-hmm. like some of the good stuff at the same time while knocking the customization abilities of uh, the Moto X line. Um, I think if they can get edge to edge blackness 
and and and, and on an MLED screen seamlessly blend the screen with the border. Mm-hmm. Then they and as they want to do with the watch, then the, the one of the next iPhones will have an AMOLED screen. So so I mean, the, and the benefit of AMOLED is that because the backlight and the color generation are tied to the same same thing. Basically, if you're displaying black, it's free mm-hmm. from a power power standpoint. Whereas any color you display costs more. So white is the most expensive, and the more yeah. Anyway, um, I, I think that's a pretty fair fair guess. I also think that the taptic stuff is going to be in everything that Apple ships. That's right. Think, think, think about these features: the taptic engine, like Force Touch, taptic, and those are two separate things. Force Touch is a layer of sensor uh, below the capacitance sensor. It's pressure sensitive, um, capacitive touch screen. Now, basically. when I say pressure sensitive, what people are speculating is that it actually just detects the surface area of your finger. If you if you press bigger, your pad gets flatter against the screen, and so it's that's how it's um, through software. That's what they're expecting the new iPhone to do. That's right. So think about, but that's not how the Apple Watch works, is it? That is how the Apple Watch works. No kidding. I think that's that's how the Apple Watch. Then why works. would they make a distinction with the next iPhone having that technology being any different? Because the Apple Watch has the uh, the the haptic the, the the haptic feedback the haptic mm-hmm. feedback on the other side of the watch, mm-hmm. which hits your wrist, which is also similar oh, to how the um, hmm. the touchpad the trackpad the touchpad the, has uh, the electromagnets on so the back. Think about the, all these features that are in the watch that are new to Apple that might make it to future products because they're scaling and building factories and getting production perfected. AMOLED, a haptic sensor. Mm-hmm. The the uh, the uh, or the force touch sensor, the haptic feedback. I think also, I think bundle those two things. I think I think we're not going to see those two things not together. Sure. And then also gyro activated information, because mm-hmm. if you perfect watch response time, where you can flick a wrist and get inf- and go from a dim screen to some information, that's something you can in- easily then put on a phone. Or if you lift up the phone, I mean, but that's a feature HTC had five years ago. But, and, and this is and this is the difference: is Apple will has a lower tolerance for for uh, for it sucking. Yeah. For it sucking. I, I mean, I, I honestly think the only thing that's going to make everybody happy is always on, because there's a moment between when I start to flick and flick that I actually want to see the information. Mm-hmm. I want to see it when it's there, well, not not turn on once it's there. And and when you're looking at like an analog watch, like an analog watch takes a, f- a moment to read. I'm 40 years old. I've been looking at clocks for a long, long time. Yep. But you you have to kind of orient yourself in that in that space. You look for two to, two or three things depending on what you're looking for, whether it's the sweep hand or the minutes hand or the hour hand. Like it it takes a moment to register. Oh yeah, it's 2:25. Um, and then I looked at the digital just to confirm. So so if you're looking at an analog watch face on a digital on a on a smartwatch, and you don't have that. It, and it isn't visible from the moment you start looking at the screen. It just it just emphasizes how much longer. It just makes it obvious right. how much longer that time takes. Yeah. So I I don't know. I think I'm interested to see how this stuff works out. My hunch is that the that the on time off time is something that as they see more people use, they'll refine that that gesture mm-hmm. to the point that it actually comes on before you can get it into into visibility before time. But I, I as ex- always, buy the product that ships, not the product that you want it to be six months. I from expect now. to get to the point where I'm tapping my watch before I even look at it. You know? Yeah, and, and you're like that just becomes part of your mo- motion exactly. to lift up your yes. arm. I can. That's what Norm does now. I now I don't feel like we summarized the reviews. Okay, so we. I was going to go down the diff- so the performance stuff. Um, App load times, everybody said were slow. So these are the non-native apps, the ones that are being piped over from the phone. Um, anytime you have to use uh, location information, that forever. was slow. Yeah. 
um, the glances, which is the thing that you swipe up from the bottom of the watch screen. It's kind of like widgets. That stuff was slow in terms of like anytime it had to load something from the phone, you'd see a little bit of a, the, the iOS equivalent of the beach ball. Um, and then the last thing was notifications, making the whole thing stutter. Um, so uh, like, it seems my like prediction is that apps on the watch will be not in nearly as a will, thing that will, nobody will, uses will, will be not a thing. I mean, it, yeah, I think it will be a low API tapping into just like the native a- Apple stuff, you know, vibrations or whatever the taps are or some, some, but it won't be separate experiences. Well, I mean, the apps are there. But then there's again, we're not going to see native apps for six months or something like that. It's not until the first big update to the to the software. So like, this is the, the iPad parallels are really strong here because this is another thing. It's a brand new thing. The people who are building apps for it right now are essentially building them blind for the most part, except for the t- dozen or so partners that got early access to presumably hardware and software to build like Uber and 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 some of those experiences. So. Like I think what's going to happen is the same thing that we saw happen with the iPad, where there's a rush of early releases, and then of those early releases, there are a handful of UI interactions that make a ton of sense and work really well, and then everybody mimics those, and that that kind of that evolves over the first six months or so of the life of the product until until when the second one comes out next year, or even when the mid mid cycle software refresh hits, it's a completely different experience than you had on on the twenty fourth. Um, the, let's see, uh, tactic feedback. Everybody liked like Gruber said that was something he felt like was going to be on every Apple product hmm. after using it on this trackpad. I absolutely think that that's how like, could this it be is, integrated on the phone. Uh, if you had that instead of the rumble. So think the, the thing no, he said, where, where, where on the phone, uh, if you carry it in your pocket, it doesn't matter. Cause it's one solid thing. It makes the whole thing move. The point is isn't that it's better than it's a, it's a good way to have skin on machine contact. The point is it's a much more effective way of getting your attention than rumble because they're playing essentially audio wave forms through the, through the taptic thing so that you're feeling a much, it's much more responsive, um, uh, much more attention getting kind of motion. Isn't the sensation also varied? The sensation varies so based that, on the sound that, that you, would be interesting you have for, for game developers. I would think. Oh yeah, yeah, I think absolutely. Like, look at look at ghost phone in your pocket. It's going to feel a whole lot weirder. Hmm. Well, you guys have all used the the Steam controller. Yes. You, I mean, you know what that what that trackpad, what that touchpad. It's a smooth surface, but it tricks your finger into thinking it's not. Yeah. If you can get the same kind of motion on phone vibrations. I mean, I don't notice phone vibrations most of the time. You know, I miss meetings all the time because if the phone's in my pocket, it's on silent. I'm never going to hear it. Um, so, so like, I, if that is a way to isn't rest the, it up against your leg, it bounces a little bit. That that seems good. Isn't also one of the point? I mean, I could see this making way to Apple phone as well. But one of the points of the Apple Watch is that your phone doesn't need to have any type of notification, and that all goes through the watch. I mean, that would be the hope. I, but I mean, they're going to keep making phones for people who I, don't I know, have watches. I know, I know. Yeah, I'm saying that logically, yeah, there's the, what that's there's, that's the the story they're telling. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting is that the digital touch stuff—that's all of like the drawing penises on the screen and and doing the heartbeat and making the emoji and the and the weird mime hands—that um, stuff isn't instant. I thought that that was something that would immediately take over. What do you mean? So, like, if I if I hook you up. Yeah. To the UI and, I, and I, I send you my heartbeat. Mm-hmm. It comes across like an SMS, not 
it isn't a, it isn't like a walkie-talkie. It's more like I an see. SMS. So it's not until you let go and send. It's not in, and it's not even then. It seems like there's even some more lag than that. Okay, depending on network Ooh. conditions. Yada, yada. Yeah. I mean, so what? It's not magical if at you, all. If you're not in the same room, you're not even going to notice. Yeah, but I want that stuff to be instant. Don't you want syncopated heartbeats? <laughs> syncopated <laughs> heartbeats seems really bad. It seems like something you should go to the doctor for. Um. So anyway, people, no, they, uh, Neelay loved the uh, RFID, the uh, Apple Pay. Yes. He, he thought that was his Best favorite thing. thing. I thought that I was surprised by that. It's even easier than the phone. Um, and the way that works, this is another question we had early on, is that as so long as you've, as soon as you've signed into your phone with a thumb thumbprint mm -hmm. and the phone and has the watch has remained on, the phone hasn't left the range of your, of your watch, the Apple Pay just works. As you long as you continue to wear the watch. As long as you continue. Yeah. If you take it off and then put it back on, yeah. you have to re-authenticate. Because it knows skin contact. Yeah. Um, uh, last thing is everybody, the, the, the consensus on the scroll wheel was that that is a really, really nice interface. Yeah. And if Apple hasn't patented the living shit out of that, it's going to show up on a lot of the, the other oh, smart watches. Sure. So, uh, Tim um, Cook didn't do a Steve Jobs and we've patented the hell out of it. I remember that. With the multi-touch. But this is his multi, the multi-touch. Yeah. For, Did anyone else uh, besides Neela touch on the number of notifications that you get and the seeming increase in number of it was, alerts? It was interesting because like, so my experience with the Pebble, and I think Norm's was similar, was that the very first thing I did after, after setting that up was turn off notifications for everything that was not, 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 not essential. Oh, like at this point on my phone, notifications are iMessage. Google Hangouts, which we use to talk to each other since since you, Joey and Norm are Android people now. Um, uh, 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 Slack, which we use for internal team communication. E, uh, VIP emails, so like the half dozen or so people that I want to get notified for email on. Yeah. So you, you sort of and white, calendars. You whitelist things. I, I as literally... A, as opposed to blacklist. I, nothing gets notifications. Yeah. If, you, if I sign up for Starbucks and they want notifications, they can fuck right off. Mm. Um, you have to do that. Because the the watch will like I could you could really tell reading the reviews who had used smartwatches before and who hadn't. Interesting. Because I can't imagine using a smartwatch for more than three days without pruning the list of notifications. Um, I think that Apple's going to have to address the notification situation and probably and uh, frankly Google will too. Like what I want is a unified notification control panel where I can say okay this app can notify my iPad but not my phone and my Mac but not my not, but not my phone and and so on and so forth so that you have a cohesive experience and I don't have to keep changing it I don't have to keep fiddling with it on different devices all I want to be is notified of tweets with at least 50 retweets and 50 faves posted by someone I follow or someone that I follow follows man that's a good idea do you have a way to do that right now no. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Normally wants to know what's popular. Um, yeah, so everybody says, look, it's the best smartwatch out there. It's rough. It's yeah. first generation. Um, I don't know it's how expensive. people live with other smartwatches. I don't know. Too. It, seemed, it seemed like most of them had not seen other smartwatches um, from, from my... You can get notifications on your wrist. Yeah. The notification seems, it seems like people are living in the notifications. Um, I'm bummed if glances aren't going to be useful. I thought that was the most interesting, one of the more interesting parts of the watch. Um, but Do we'll know in a couple weeks. differences between the sizes? Uh, they, I think they asked, so Apple asked people which watch they were interested in, which bands. 
and they sent them the watch that they were interested in and one or more bands. Seems like most people were were testing the eleven hundred dollar stainless steel uh, link bracelet or one of the leather uh, one of the leather bands, depending on on personal preference. So, so yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll be interested to see how much of that stuff changes after release. Of course, uh, I'm going to pre-order something on Friday. I hope yeah, me too. Goes well. I'll be up at midnight along with you. My wife is already threatening not to wear it. Really? <laughs> yeah, because she doesn't wear a watch, and you know I don't wear a watch either. But uh, I'm gonna. You're in. I'm in. You could. Uh, you could. You could modify it and turn it into a headband. Thing is, I need her to wear it. My favorite feature is the, the ability to tap her wrist from anywhere. Yeah. Because fifty percent of the time, she doesn't answer her phone. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking for. She has to wear it. You know, you need to make her a bracelet so she can just wear it as like a pendant. Like, I told like, her it's not a watch; it's a relationship band. Ah, so you're telling her if you don't wear this, you don't love me. Yeah, that's healthy. Yeah, um, it's really expensive, marg- questionably useful. The four hundred, yeah, yeah. A lot of people hi- like highlighted how distracting it is. I think that the distraction. I, I think that the dist- if you map. At least my experience with other smartwatches. That's notifications, right? I mean, notifications, yeah. yeah. Like, has led me to believe that if you don't prune down those notifications, like, the more you prune down the notifications, the more present you are, because you 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 don't have your phone going off constantly in your pocket, making you think, oh, hey, I should be looking at this. I'm, no, I'm not going to be any more present. I don't eat without the phone on the table. And that's just, I'm sorry, but that's me. I get flack for it, but that's just, people have to accept it. Now... Rather than my phone being the distraction, my wristwatch is going to be the distraction. Yeah. So I don't know if that's any more socially acceptable or not. Are you going to... Well, I'll so tell you. It's going to be more convenient. I, I will tell you from, from the smartwatch, people get really offended if you look at your watch while you're talking to them. It's like what... Because it reflects the old thing, it's which like, is what is it... Oh, what do you have something you need to be, somewhere you need to be? Yeah, right. No, my, someone just texted me. They're more important than you. <sighs> I felt a tweet. <laughs> do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what a thousand retweet tweet feels like? It's pulsing. Right, that would be amazing. If the more the more popular the tweet gets, the more intense the, yeah. the taptic feedback. What does it? What does it? What does a tweet? Or feel if like? the taptic oh. could somehow communicate to you, you know, you get it, one it, pulse it, per fave. Hey, hey, Some, hey, hey, yeah, hey, right. hey, 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 look at me, look at me, Siri, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, did you read the uh, David Pierce Wired story from I think a week ago about the development of the Apple Watch and how? In Apple, in, ter- in testing, people have been known to randomly stand up at meetings because the watch has told them they have been sitting for too yes. long. Yes. That seems really, really crazy. Like, literally, on the Jawbone Up, the Jawbone Up will do the same thing. If you sit for more than an hour, it's like, hey, you should stand up. Yep. The phone, I, Samsung phones do that. And I don't want that. I it's tell, annoying. I, I say, phone, fuck off. Yeah. It's, 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 it is literally, it is distracting at such a high level. I, I is one of the first things I turn off. Um, on the iOS and OS 10 and Apple front, uh, there's two big updates for iOS and OS 10 Wednesday morning. Um, 8.3 for iOS is out. 10.10.3 is out for OS 10. Um, the big changes in iOS are that you don't have to put in a password for free app downloads anymore. And they fixed the keyboard on in Safari so that you don't do the thing when you're searching Google where it's like word, period, word, period, word, period, word, period, word, period, that started with iOS 8. I wonder if kids can download free apps without permission. I'm sure that that is a still parental controllable thing. Um, uh, OS 10, there's a couple of new things. It's basically a bug fix release. But finally, the Photos app is live. 
So this is the replacement for iPhoto and Aperture. It's basically the only way to access iCloud photos on a Mac, and it brings back, it's the, it's the complete photo library stored in your iCloud account. Um, I haven't installed it yet because it came out an hour before we started the podcast, and I use the Mac for the podcast. So um, it's been in like uh, open beta for a while. I don't think Photos has been in open beta. Eight point three has been in. Was yeah, it? I thought oh. so. Yeah, oh, I didn't realize you could download using it. using Photos. Uh, <coughs> it's it, been it, in the developer portal for for a while. I for haven't sure. used it. I'm looking forward to trying it out. Um, I, it looks, use right it now? looks fast. Do you use iPhoto right now? I hate using iPhoto because it just takes forever. Oh. You, whenever you turn it on, just to like, just because it's been so long. See, it, it, this is one of those problems that uh, you know, if if it was a fresh product without the the legacy of iPhone and all that, I guess you can call it baggage. Um, but it's the same problem people get when they get new phones is they have all their photos. Presumably, uh, uh, many smartphone users first only first started taking a ton of photos when they got their iPhones. Mm-hmm. And if you're on the, your f- you know, third or fourth iPhone, you have thousands, could have thousands of photos. Yeah, that's why backed you, up. That's why they sell that 128 gig model. Now. Exactly. I um I had to do this the other day because I got the new phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did the normal. I wiped. I pulled all my photos off and then wiped the wiped the photos off the phone. So they're all backed up on a hard drive someplace. A couple hard drives. Um. But but then I had to do the the complete reinstall of iOS because I you know one of the things they tell you is when you have crashy iOS sometimes it's because of a shitty app in the backup um, and it is an enormous pain in the ass to set up a phone from scratch like I I haven't I hadn't done it in probably two phones maybe three phones um, and it took a hell of a long time the ability to pull photos from iCloud takes forever like it's it's just not a great it's not a great experience so. Um. Good luck, anybody who's yeah. doing a new phone. I guess. Um. You skipped over HBO Go. I did. I forgot HBO Now. Or now, rather. This is probably one of the big deals of the week. Um, HBO Now launched Tuesday. Maybe is that right? Yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. It's uh. It's this is the HBO Go without cable. Uh, has it? Have you tried it yet, Norm? Has anybody have, have any of us signed up for it? I, I mean, you can do it on an iPhone, but I don't have an iPhone. You get a free thirty-day oh, right. trial, and I'm just waiting for the perfect moment to start that. Veep, veep to start. That's the Sunday. I guess that's it. Yeah. 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 Do it Saturday night. Is it? Um. Now is this is this the same service as HBO Go? Yes. It is. It's the same catalog. Yes. Uh, the same catalog, but the app that they are using for it, I believe is not the same app. It's right. a different app. I know yes. that. It's On Apple TV, there's two apps. The distribution service is through MLB Networks, the same technology. Oh, no WWE kidding. And MLB. Huh. Because one of the reasons they were able to launch this um, and self-distribute is uh, there was some shakeup at HBO last year where they wanted to do something in-house and they decided just to license it. And it was built by the same people who made the MLB. You just yeah. said that, didn't you? Yeah. Well, yeah. Who, who does HBO go? I'm not. I think they developed is that, that in house. They probably yeah. built that in house. Weird. Yeah. Um, so does this mean it doesn't and use the same actually, infrastructure? I think. I'm not. That's a really good question. I don't know if like HBO Go actually pulls streams from Comcast, like whoever your network is. No, no, no. HBO Go, I'm sure, is hitting HBO's servers or HBO's CDN. I, I mean, the, we'll find out on Sunday if HBO Now works and HBO Go doesn't, because typically <laughs> on Game of Thrones night, HBO yeah. Go goes to shit. That's funny. We'll we'll know. Hmm. Um, I mean, 15 bucks is pretty much exactly what I pay Comcast right now for HBO. Just for HBO. Just, like for, for the HBO portion of my subscription. Right. So I could easily, like I could just switch that over 
How many people can you sign up with for H- can you log on to with HBO now? It Don't d- know did yet. say multiple people. Yeah. Hmm. I would assume like I, I would assume at least two and probably no more than four. Netflix caps it too, I think. Netflix it depends if you depends. it used to be that you could pay more and get more streams or if you like in the old days of Netflix it was tied to the number of discs that you have. Oh, no So kidding. if you had a three disc plan, you could have three streams connected at once. Huh. Um, now that nobody has discs anymore, I don't know how that how that stuff works. Yeah. Um, but I know that people do have like you can at least for for some period of time you could pay more and get more streams with Netflix, which makes sense if you have like four four kids yeah. and a bunch of people in the house and you know want to watch want to watch some get your TV watching on. Um, I don't know. I I think let's revisit HBO now and see if it goes to hell on Sunday night when Game of Thrones hits. You know what's a uh, sad news, or I guess maybe good depending on what your your taste is. Um, DirecTV no longer allowed to run those Rob Lowe commercials. Wait, what? Why not? Sad Rob Lowe, creepy Rob Lowe, nerd Rob Lowe. Uh, well, redneck Rob Lowe. It's one of the most successful campaigns in recent memory. Uh, terrible. Of, no, that's good. It, I think I well, I think that some people find them maybe not funny. Oh. Uh, some people maybe find them. Like too close to home. They're Not a little. They're they're riding on stereotypes that are profoundly he's negative. Poking, right. They're riding on stereotypes, and Rob Lowe is poking fun at himself. I like that, uh, which which I think I like. And then the way they're shot is beautiful. I really appreciate them because of the marketing trickery uh, that I thought Directv got away with. Because in every commercial, in the very the, fir- the first one, I'm like, how can they do this? How could Rob Lowe or how could they claim make these claims that cable sucks? But he, they never actually do. They say, you know, Direct Free is great service, mm-hmm. and then what they say about cable is that, you know, I'm 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 sad, Rob Lowe. I have no friends, and I have cable, uh-huh. but yeah. not. They don't say that cable doesn't they're, have. Good what they're service. saying is cable makes you a loser. It's a big correlation, but it's never a causation. And at the end, the big tagline is, "Don't be like me. Ditch cable and get Direct TV." And that pause is everything. That little pause is, "Don't be like me." So, so that's I, one statement. Also, I would like you to ditch cable and get DirecTV, <laughs> as, but not, don't be like me because cable makes you like me, ditch t- cable and get DirecTV. Cable's to, for losers, guys. I, I, have Comcast, not, I have not thought about this oh, this much. I, Every time I watch it, I'm like, that pause is getting shorter. DirecTV is getting bolder. <laughs> They're like, Norm. T- getting the R value of this, of this commercial is, is high correlation. Um, Comcast complained about it. To the FTC? The, the NAD, the National, National Advertising Division, part of the uh, BB, uh, Better Business Bureau. Okay. Um, and they voted in favor of Comcast. Unbelievable. And said, DirecTV, ah, you are making unreasonable claims that power. cannot be substantiated. And DirecTV said, you have no sense of humor. That is the man. I... So what they're going to change the ads. They the Rob Lowe can no longer, at the end of the ads, make that... That big don't bold be a statement. Loser. Don't be like me. Oh, that's it. That's all I have to change. I, I and, right. and yeah. All right, change the wording. The thing I like the most about the commercial, every time, I'm like, oh, you're so bold, Directv, so bold. <laughs> um, I, the Amazon Echo got an update today. Oh, dude, we got to talk about that. Yeah, we we missed some stuff last week when we talked about Echo. I think the Pandora. If that came out, we talked a- about that. I don't know if we did. Maybe I don't, we did not. No, oh. I think that came out afterwards. 
I think there have been two substantial updates since we discussed it. So that you can do Pandora. The other thing we missed entirely is that there is an open, there is an API that developers can apply to get access to. And presumably people are making third party apps. Presumably some of the stuff we're going to talk about today came as a result of that. Presumably. Presumably. Um, Wemo support. So two home automation tools, Wemo and Philips Hue, neither of which are particularly, well, I don't know about Wemo, but Philips Hue is kind of underwhelming on its own. But if you have a Hue bridge in your house, you can connect the echo to it and you can say things like, uh, you know, uh, Alexa, turn off the lights and she'll do that. Now, come on, let's make it sexy. This is what the email says. You can say Alexa, turn on the hallway light. Alexa, turn on the coffee maker. Alexa, dim the living room lights to 20%. Really? You can get that far into it? Alexa, turn on the electric blanket or turn on the outdoor decorations. I want, I want, so you can presumably tell Alexa to get the party started and she would do that. Exactly. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I want smart things integration in this. This Wemo integration is so compelling, I might switch everything over to Wemo, which would be an enormous pain in the ass. Uh, not to mention expense, yeah. Uh, 40 bucks an outlet? No, no, you can use the same Z-Wave stuff, I'm sure. Oh, you think? I would bet. Oh, maybe. Yeah. That'd be cool. It would just be a day. Okay. I think I'd rather spend 40 bucks an outlet, frankly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, that's interesting. We're, 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 I mean, we'll keep you posted on that stuff. I think that this is interesting. Uh, after last week, people sent, we talked about the UB a little bit last week. People sent me links to a couple of other voice controlled devices, oh. including an alarm clock that has voice activation for smart things integration. So I'm going to, I got one of those coming and we'll, we'll let you know how that goes. I was already tempted by Philips Hue. So I, I mean, this just gets me kind of excited. And frankly, I have enjoyed using Alexa more and more all the time. I have broken up with Siri as far as I'm concerned. Well, she doesn't listen to me. She doesn't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Honestly, even the Hey Siri stuff, if she's within a, a few feet of me, she doesn't even respond. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> Did I do that? That was me. Okay. Um, let's take a quick break uh, for a word from our promotional partners. Um, I'm going to play some music while we do that. Hey, Joey, I don't know when it's going to start. Right now. Okay, good. Hey. Hey, Norm. Hey, Will. When did you build a last website? My last website was yes. my first website. Last website. Oh, I want to talk about my first website. My first website was a GeoCities Quake fan site using Microsoft front page. Wow. So many tables. I think I used, definitely used frames, and it was to host my favorite Quake 1 skins. It was terrible! Um, well, the good news for you is that Squarespace makes making your own website easier than it has ever been before. It's simple, powerful, beautiful. They have 24-7 live support via chat and email, um, and it only costs $8 a month. Do you know what you get if you sign up for a full year? What do you get? A free domain if you oh. buy Squarespace for the year. Um, if you want to find out more about Squarespace, you can start with a trial with no credit card required uh, and start building your website today. Make sure you use the offer code TEST to get 10% off of your first purchase and show your support for our podcast. Uh, thanks to Squarespace for supporting. This is only a test. Squarespace, build it. Beautiful. Thanks for supporting us. You think that's build it beautiful or build it beautiful? Build it Beautiful. I think that's that's one of the best things about company taglines. You can read it however you want. Build it beautiful. The the beautiful is capitalized, but there's no punctuation between build it and beautiful. So I don't build it beautiful. Sometimes yeah. that's that's what you pay you know a lot of money in marketing research for to get that kind of ambiguity. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. 
The double entendre. The great marketing double entendre. So, seriously, guys, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> is, is it that you like that it's uh, always on? Yeah, they, I love they, it. Yeah, I love the No, I on. totally love it. And she listens to you so well from the entire room, like the next room. I feel like even she though... She can hear me and understand me. I feel like I actually am, ha, can have a conversation. My, my use of Alexa is primarily at my desk. It's sitting like on the side table next to me behind and I'm primarily using it as I'm typing on the computer. Oh, I realized I didn't get my you know, news update or need something put in the background and I say it out loud while I'm still typing or, yeah. or reading something and it'll just happen. That seamlessness, that ability to activate it multitasking without taking my hands off the keyboard or even moving to face that direction helps. And then just I maybe one out of 10 times I'm using it. I use it when I'm standing up and across the room, but the ability then just to realize I can. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it, it feels like it's, I, I know a part of the room. Amazon was the last one to this game, to this AI voice activated game, but they did the always on plugged in version. Actually, they've been doing it on the fire tablets for a long time. Uh, you're right. No, 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 you're right. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I forgot about that, but they're the last ones I've used. Yeah. And they were the first ones to do the plugged in always on, you know, uh, on the speaker, on the microphone that picks up the whole room. Mm -hmm. And that's, I feel like they've totally leapfrogged everybody now, here's, in, in that feature. Now, do you think that uh, <coughs> we all expect that sometime this year, Apple will relaunch the Apple TV mm -hmm. with the price drop if, that just happened? Uh, the, the hardware has been, the same hardware has been stale for a while. Yeah. They have to build that into If they Apple don't have TV. voice built into that, then they've messed up. Yes. Yeah. They Definitely. must have you know, omnidirectional you microphone builds your sound I system. I don't know if they need that because if you think about it, I like, I'm going to put that box hidden away in an entertainment somewhere. So there's always where nobody sees it. I just want it on the remote. I think the way the fire TV does it is really good. No. The failing of the fire TV is that it doesn't search within apps as well as I would like. So even if I have the Plex app on my fire TV and I press the voice button and say, Hey, Plex play the Avengers. It doesn't search inside Plex. But, but then that Alexa is going to be your go-to for everything else. That's the thing. Yeah, as long as it, it has to be always available the, the, with voice alone exactly. to, to be the the one the, the, the Star Trek computer. Whoever the, the stick, Alexa or you know Echo comes with a stick. I never use that. That's stuck to the right. side of my fridge. Oh, see, I use it stuck on the fridge because I use it when I'm in the kitchen and the Alexa's in the living room. Well, okay, but that's different. Well, no, I'm just saying I just use it as an as a second voice point. Yeah. For for input, um, I I think that in order for this voice stuff to work, especially in an installation sense, like installed in your home, it needs to talk to everything that's smart in your house. Like you need to be able to talk to your TV. You need to be able to talk to your if you have Sonos or some music player. Mm -hmm. it needs to talk to that. If it talks to the lights, it needs to talk to your sound systems throughout the house. It needs to be able to talk to everything. Well, in the past two weeks, Alexa's got received these two huge updates. So this is what I was hoping we would see the entire time that this thing was out and it's just if, if this is the beginning of the ramp yeah i'm really really excited and think about this going forward we could, i could if amazon is smart about this you buy a you know main echo unit that big it's not even that big it's like a giant thermos insulated container uh and you, it's in your living room and that has the biggest speakers an omnidirectional mic they can put the omnidirectional mic part maybe without a big as big a speaker and mm -hmm. a smaller puck like thing and sell you as many as you need to yeah, put right. in all of your rooms. That's that's right. And then you get the Star Trek computer in every room, and yeah. it just ties to it all. It's it's all you know, a mesh network based, and that's it. Yeah, that's I, the dream. I was thinking about hacking the Alexa to do that very thing, but wire microphones to all my rooms in my house. Mm -hmm. and speakers. I mean, the the as plug, well. the the puck is not unreasonable. 
Yeah. And you know, what's a puck right now? The Apple TV. I like it. All right. Thank you for entertaining my Alexa addiction. Um, I, I like Alexa. And I thought you were a big Apple fan. Her jokes are funny. Um, let's see. Uh, Brontosaurus is back, baby. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize it had gone away. Brontosaurus has been out for years. Why? Um, taxonomy boring stuff. The, basically, the number of vertebra or the number of bones or the length of the bones uh-huh. between its uh, uh, pelvis and its tail. Mm-hmm. We're different. We're not different enough from the Apatosaurus, ah. um, which is another member of the same family. So when they looked at it, they were like, no, nah, this is probably the same dinosaur. We can't tell. I mean, who knows? It's 65 million years. Little foot and lamb for time. Always a brontosaurus. <laughs> um, no identity crisis anymore. So I get that right now. <laughs> yeah, you're a millennial. I, no, because I have kids. Uh, so you have kids and you watch lamb for time number 23. Yeah, right. Wow. They made that many of those. They made so many. Um, dinosaurs live a long time, apparently. Dinosaurs make a lot of money. Um, so yeah, the 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 upshot is you can start classifying these animals. Probably they're they're well. They applied like a monitored statistical analysis on like the bones scans of the bones and all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, it's a different enough, fifteen percent different across the board. So we'll we'll call it a, a, its own dinosaur now. Hmm. Sounds much cooler. Crazy. Yeah. Um, Next thing you know, Pluto's a planet again. No, that, that's coming. Dwarf planets are planets too, man. <laughs> We're going to go from having nine planets to eight planets to 35 planets. Yeah. Like seriously. If you count the dwarfs, yeah. If you count the dwarves, they're yeah. everywhere. <laughs> Titan is a dwarf planet. <laughs> um, Peter Jackson made made The Hobbit too, too early. <laughs> Wasted I, opportunity, marketing, synergy. I, I don't understand. There are a lot of dwarves in The Hobbit. Oh. <laughs> oh. Battle of the Five right. Armies. So I'm just going to say, oh, one more time and move on. Um... TV tuners available for Xbox One. Uh, over-the-air TV tuner is now available for Xbox One owners in the U.S. Uh, they rolled this out in Europe earlier this year, and presumably you'll be able to buy a USB TV tuner for the X-Bone soon, which will then let you use that as your TV watching box if you're a cord cutter, which is kind of interesting because, like, if you look at the if you look at the the services that are available on that device, you, know, you have your HBO Go's, you have your Netflix, your Hulu, you know, all that business. Presumably, you, you you know, if you add over the air networks, that's what you need. It doesn't work as a PVR, as I understand it. So you have to be able to, you have to be watching live. Um, but there you go. Um, aluminum battery research out of Stanford. I read this and didn't understand it. But what what's the takeaway? Is this something that's real, or is this another five years off battery technology we're never going to see? Uh, seems like it's a big deal right now. Batteries, you know, alkaline, uh, lithium ion, uh, things that matter are. Uh, voltage output and density and usually you can only you know lithiums are great because they can do high density and do re- a good voltage output uh, aluminum which is cheap and in this case a malleable material to make a battery out of uh, they got it to work by using uh, a different uh, material for the cathode and the anode in the battery uh, graphite I think is what they used Okay. It's technical from there, so that's as deep as I'll get. But the upshot is in their experimental battery, they made a flexible battery, cheap, with several thousand recharge cycles. They can do several thousand without any degradation, mm-hmm. as, oh, wow. as lithiums do. And it lasts just as long? And it lasts just as long, high capacity, but low voltage output right now. How Only low? about two volts. Oh. So they could, they charge the phone by putting two of them together, uh, but they need to find a way to get closer to, you know, five, five volts five, out. Five volts is what most phones and stuff run on these days, yes. right? Yeah. 
So it's it's promising, but it's the very first experimental prototype. So is, is it something they feel like they can away. manufacture in quantity? I think they want to they want to they want to build the 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 principle out mm. before they start even. When universities it. come up with these technologies, do they license the technology? Do they sell it? That is a question that I don't know the answer to. Do they to. give it away? I think, well, Stanford's a private university. Mm-hmm. Probably gets public funds. My guess is that whoever is department, like if a professor got a grant for to do research on this, it would be, uh, then the, the whoever was. paid for the grant determines what happens to the technology, whether <laughs> it's DuPont or 3M or you know the National Science Foundation. Case-by-case case basis, probably. Yeah. I don't know. That's an interesting question. Somebody, if you know the answer, write in. It's podcastattested.com, and we'll talk about it next week. Um, Soylent 1.4. Is this even less farty than Soylent 1.3? The big takeaways, less far, significantly less farty. Is that, like, do they have release notes for this? They do. Uh, and this is out already. Uh, I have uh, my housemates who are on Soylent. Two of my housemates are on Soylent as, as mule alternatives. No kidding. Uh, not... not Every day, but as like sometimes lunch. Gosh, like I don't have time to get lunch. Do, mm-hmm. do people treat it like a diet as well? Yeah, it's like instead of you know making a slim fat, drinking a slim fast it, shake. So it regulates your calories. It you just have that instead of lunch and make make a batch for a week and yeah you know put it in a in a bottle. Uh, also, the previous formula was a big you know you scoop this chalky powder plus pour in fish oils and then blend it. Now no no bottle of fish oil. It's all in the powder uh, and less chalky. Theoretically better tasting. I will be. I will be trying it. These incremental upgrades make me think Soylent 2.0 is going to be a big deal. Yeah, I know. Probably tastes like peanut butter. Hmm. Um, the Windows 10's uh, first update. This Mary Jo Foley at ZDNet reported this uh, is going to be called uh, Redstone. So seems like Microsoft is on an annual release cycle. It'll probably still be Windows 10. They're they're moving away from Windows 10, 11, 12. Um, so Redstone will be out uh, summer of 2016, and it will be the the low. You'll get since Windows is now a service, you'll get updates to components of Windows throughout the year. Mm. So things like Project Spartan and um, you know different different sub the Xbox One panel and other subcomponents of Windows will be constantly refreshed, and then there will be a big kind of oh, hey, we need to support new types of hardware and we need to give our hardware partners new ways to interact with the software will hit uh, on an annual basis in the summer. It seems to be the goal. Uh, and then the last thing I have on my list is that uh, Rand Paul's presidential campaign announcement video, the one where he says, hey, guys, I'm running for president. He, they chucked it up on YouTube and Content ID pulled it because it had a song that was owned by Warner. Mm. Uh, and they just said, nope, you can't use this on YouTube uh, programmatically and automatically. So I always think that those are a little bit funny. Mm, I guess maybe better than um, leaking the all, all the information of your constituents. Who did that? Emails. Jeb Bush. Oh, ouch. Um, anything else? How are we doing? Anything else news-wise? Should we go talk about what we've been testing? I think, yeah. Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to play some music and then testing talk. Uh, Norm, uh, this is a note tested premium members and anybody who's interested in watching us build ergonomic keyboards in uh, the next, let's say, I mean, we're giving this announcement way early because sometimes it takes a while to get the parts and they're a little hard to come by. Uh, Norm and I are going to be building ErgoDox keyboards, the Teensy-based original kind, not the uh, Infinity version that's on MassDrop right now, although you can more or less the same work. 
Um, if you want to uh, build your own ErgoDocs along with us, you can get all of the parts for around 200, 250 bucks. What it is is a mechanical ergonomic keyboard, split keyboard. So it's two separate parts. They're connected by one little cable. Uh, it runs a Teensy, which is a microcontroller, an Arduino compatible microcontroller that you're familiar with. So you can program it to do all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, and you can use uh, like badass mechanical switches like you know Cherry MXs or whatever kind of switch you want. Um, so I'll post. Uh, a link on the site before this podcast or maybe later later today uh, that tells you where to find the stuff that we bought if you want to build along or if you want to just get the mass drop there's a mass drop right now for the Ergodox Infinity more or less the same it'll probably come uh, if you order it now about the same time that we start our build um, toward the end middle or end of June um, and I, like I said, I built enough stuff for both of us. You ended up going with blue switches. People asked a lot about which mm -hmm. switches we were going with. Uh, they're a little clicky, not too clicky. I love me the blue switches. Um, I ended up, uh, I initially thought I was going to get browns because they're quiet, good for typing. I, I ended like up browns. going with reds. Why? Um, because somebody pointed out the reds are like the browns, but don't have the click. Uh -huh. They're just straight actuation. I see. And the thing that the comment said was... It's better for video games. Well, and if you look at the screen when you're typing, you don't need the click to know that you pressed the key successfully. I love the click. Because it's going to... Well, so the browns have a bump. You can feel the bump when you hit. Yeah. Um, and the reds are the same more or less as the browns, just without the bump. So what they said was, if you're looking at the screen when you're typing, you know when you hit because you see the letter pop up. Um, the... Uh, clears I was going to go for have a higher actuating force than the browns and that made me a little nervous I didn't want to get tired yeah. I didn't want to get big beefy bulked up fingers so some people do the combination and just do the reds for WASD oh no kidding oh that's interesting huh huh <laughs> huh Thanks for this preview of your special feature. Yeah, so um, like all of our other week of builds the first first day will be free. Uh, we're going to go laser cut some cases um I have some thoughts about ways we can make that extra cool, uh, but we'll talk about that on the first episode probably. And uh, and there's currently a w weeks of builds going on right now. Yeah, uh, we just wrapped up. Was it was it the, we are in the auto closing, animatronics? We are in the closing uh, days of a Lego with friends with Veronica Belmont. Yep. So please check that out. And last week we did animatronics build with Frank Capolito, and uh, so we have a lot of premium builds coming up. So sign up now. There we go. Uh, Tested.com slash membership if you, want, if you want to find out about that. Um, I've been testing out the Zoom Q8. Uh, I actually shot a couple podcasts with it. Um, I have a post that I'm in the middle of writing right now that'll probably go up, hopefully, by the time you hear this. Um, it is a really neat little camera for like what we do for podcasts. And I think maybe also recording concert, like concert audio and so, like shooting concerts, guerrilla style from the audience, stuff like that. Um, I talked about it a little bit last week, but basically it's a high-end like action camera style sensor, I would think, with a decent piece of glass, a big 160 degree uh, wide, wide field lens, and a f 2.0 aperture uh, on it, that basically lets you shoot podcasts, like three dudes sitting at a table recording a podcast, really, really easily. Um, the battery lasts three hours with 720p, no problem, um, and it has XLR line in and a decent clock. So unlike the GoPros, which tend to drift over the course of a long podcast, like 20 or 30 minutes even. Uh, this thing, it maintains a rock solid clock so that when I pull the audio file out of our Zoom, 
I can I can sync it up immediately. It just lines up right away. You can even replace, um, and it's a it's pretty nice. It's Does it have good. onboard mic if you need it? Uh, it has their capsule thing that's from the H6. So you it comes with a 120 degree stereo. Is that the crisscross? That's the crisscross one. That's good. It's a good mic. Yeah, you can put a shotgun. You can put an Omni. You can put a, a side mic on it if you want. Um, it doesn't support the H6 extra two XLR input thing for I think probably because adding two cables on the little mount that that thing's on would probably break it yeah um, you can't record all four channels at once mm-hmm. can you you can no kidding yeah so and you can you can record you can either mix them all into the audio into the video stream so it's just a move file no. with one track or you can do the move file with yeah. a mixed audio track and then also four independent that's what you wave want files, which is what i want backup yeah. yeah it's great yeah so it basically gives me an extra way to record the audio so now using that and the zoom h6 to mix and record our audio i have two complete audio recordings for everything we do. So far that camera's been, I mean, we've only recorded two or three episodes, Cool. but that camera's been really reliable and people really like the video quality on it. They were really pro on, on nice. the still untitled that went up this week. So, so it's better than the Go- GoPro. Um, it's early, early on, it seems very much better than the GoPro. Um, like for what we do though, like I don't know, um, like it's kind of a wide camera for webcam use. Like I didn't, I didn't, I tried to use it for the bunch of dads that we recorded last week and it was a little wider than I wanted because it showed a lot of, like it basically showed my entire room and I only really want to have like a big giant headshot for a Google Hangout style um, video podcast. Um, the, uh, but yeah, like if, if you're someplace, like I gave it to Adam, Adam's leaving for tour tomorrow. I gave it to him to maybe shoot some video with while he's out noodling around uh, on the East Coast. So like we'll see what he thinks about it after that. Cool. But it's, a, it's a neat little camera, and it's like 400, 500 bucks, which for when you factor in that it can also be a two-track audio recorder, like a two-track XLR, yeah. provides phantom power to your microphones and the whole deal audio recorder, it makes it a lot more, it's a, like, it seems expensive until you think about that, I think is probably the right way to say that. Um, but is an H4 costs 250 bucks on its own, so there you go. Uh, Norm, you've been uh, testing the Sony a7 II. Well, I just got it, so I've only taken... Oh, you just got it this morning? I got yesterday night to charge. Uh, Yes, that's the one. Um, The a7 is their compact full-frame camera, uh, interchangeable lens. This is full-frame? This is full-frame. What? That is a tiny little camera. And it's actually bigger than the the first a7, a7s, that was released last year. So a7 II, that's the kit (laughs) lens. Uh, but for a full frame camera, that's small and light. How much is it? Uh, fifteen hundred dollars. Fifteen to sixteen hundred dollars. Without a lens. With I be, uh, you know what? I'm not right, exactly right, sure right. whether it's with it. Um, the the kit lens is uh, I believe a uh, hold on twenty eight seventy three five to five six. Uh, I would get a a thirty five prime with that immediately. Uh, and that's what I'll be bringing to the celebration next week. I'm very excited. I really liked the A seven last year. It's too expensive to be a secondary camera, but Sony does really good stuff. It's, but is the lens selection still rough? If you're the type of person that only buys, that th- needs you know two or three lenses. You're good? You're good. Okay. Dude, I'm gonna look into this. Yeah. Um, full frame. A lot of people ask about. Yeah. With an EVF, but you know. Why can't Canon make a full frame this size? Um, yeah. Because. Well, they do an SLR. Because they, they have the, uh, yeah, they have the, the actual uh, optical viewfinder. The, the thing they has need, to move. They need the pentaprism. Aren't they making mirrors. 
um, making uh, mirrorless cameras. They don't want that to, infer- uh, to, to cross over into lower oh. high end. Hmm. Um, Sony's got nothing to lose. A lot of people asked about my wedding ring after I lost it on, uh, I thought on the shoot with Jamie where we did the quad got where he put the saw in the bottom of the quadcopter. It turned up a couple of weeks later in a bag full of podcast gear at Adam's shop. Um, I have since taken and gotten it sized and now it does not come off my finger, which makes me a little freaked out because like I don't, oh, I get claustrophobic. It's a physical, physical representation. It's not, it's not your, that. That's no problem. I got a kid. <laughs> it's that, it's that I'm afraid it's going to like my finger's going to swell off. I'm going to have to have it cut off. Um, just cause you know, anxiety. Is it nice and shiny again? It, yeah. They, I, I think that they just made a new one. <laughs> I think that they took the one that I had melted it down, made a new yeah. one and re-engraved it. Yeah. Um, you can check the engraving. It's, it looks exactly the same. Okay. A machine does it. There's no way you can tell. That's interesting that the compression didn't affect the engraving. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I expected it to be a little jacked up. But maybe we have some jewelers in the audience that can, can explain. Um, it's better than not having it. I mean, there's still... Oh, yeah. I'm no, no, not complaining at all. There's still some grime inside the engraving on the inside, so I assume... Oh, yeah, it's original grime. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I could carbon date that probably if I really wanted to know, but I'm glad to have it back. So. Someone could get a good deal of on a metal detector on Craigslist? Um, not yet. If anybody wants a metal detector that's been lightly used... Maybe I'll go out and, and start metal detecting. <laughs> I can get my two hundred. Can find some lost gold on the beach. Get my two hundred fifty bucks back. Did you have a metal detector? No, I fucking went and bought one. Where'd you look? In your backyard? No, I went back to the quarry where we. Oh, where I thought we quarry. lost it. Guy went down with with stakes and the whole thing, no ready to way. make out a search grid, and then it was in a fucking bag here the entire time. <laughs> Not that I'm angry. <laughs> Um, I literally looked in every other bag that we had except for the podcast bag because I'd forgotten I carried it up that morning. Did you make a big deal showing your wife that you found it? My wife was much less concerned about it than I was. She was sad, but like wasn't pissed or anything. But when you found oh, it, how, it was how currency. Did you tell her? I sent her. She a, lost her currency. I sent her a text. Okay. <laughs> I sent her a text with the picture of the ring. She was like, "Where did you find it?" Nice. And then I just didn't answer for three hours because we were shooting. <laughs> so that could have gone better. Um, Psych. That was a photo from four weeks ago from before <laughs> I lost it. Yep. Just kidding. Psych. Lol. <laughs> um, we talked about Fantastic Cal 2 a couple weeks ago, the $40 calendaring app for OS X. Um, after, after talking smack about it, I figured I should probably download it and test it out. It's pretty good. Yeah, I bet. I don't think it's... If you use calendars a lot, I could see it's much better than the default calendar app built into OS X. Um, I do not know that it is $40 good. It is definitely $20 bucks good. Like I would totally pay twenty bucks without hesitation. Shouldn't for this. they be a subscription service like One Password, where you just pay to be a member and then you get all the apps? You but One Password doesn't work like that on iOS. It does for me, doesn't it? Now you it's don't pay recurring. Do you? No. Yeah. You pay. You pay. You bought a family license, a five seat license. Is that what it is? And then you bought the iOS app separately. Hmm. Okay. Um. I I wish that that is the way it worked. I would think that would be I would be much happier paying uh, 60 bucks and getting everything and not having to worry about signing up for things. Um, I feel like 40 bucks is a lot of money for a calendar app. And yeah. I we use calendars a lot. Um, it it was much like had this come out two, three years ago, it would have been a completely different story. But the gap between how good Fantastical is versus the current state of the OS 10 default calendar app has, has closed dramatically in the last couple of years. Um, and I'm all, I also have problems with notifications on the desktop app, which is inexcusable on a $40 app. Like sometimes it notifies me, sometimes not so much, which is, which is not good. 
Um, so I would say don't spend $40 on it. If it gets down to 20 bucks and you use calendars a lot, totally spend 20 bucks on it. Um, Norm, the uh, Lenovo X1 Carbon third generation. It's the one I'm using right now. I tested the first generation of this three years ago, two years ago. Four years ago. Was that long ago? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, what do you think? Uh, you, it's it's a really good X1 Carbon, but I don't know if that's what people want right now. This one has a touchscreen, though. Yes. Uh, the last, last one? one had a touchscreen as well. It has the, it, the things that make it a, a X1... Um, it's, you know, Lenovo's sleeker think book, um, and, or think pad, sorry, uh, has the nub, the key, the keyboard is better this time around. It's a lot, a lot of, a lot of good give. They make really good laptop keyboards, uh, a lot of good throw. Um, you have the, the top buttons as in addition to the top, bottom mouse buttons. Well, the top buttons are for when you're using the nub, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's probably their best design yet. You know, all the, the ports that you need. Um, built in. It's kind of like the, it's their MacBook Pro. This is the anti-MacBook, basically. Yes. Um, but if I was out for, I mean, I'm, I'm still doing testing on it. It does have a Broadwell U processor. Uh, the Dell is the one that I thought was really interesting. And um, But we'll, we'll be, I'll be checking this one out first. All righty. Matt Screen. Oh, I like Matt Screen. It's a touch screen. That's weird. Does it, does it get it, fingerprints? It is a little weird. It's it very fingerprinty. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, it looks to me like you've been you've been using this whole podcast. You've been touching it the whole time. I love touchscreen on laptops. Why touch it though? You've got the trackpad. I think it does, it's just as fast. It's not. It's not. <laughs> for zooming in, two fingers. Th- scrolling. Think about think about but but scrolling isn't what I do on web pages because of tablets. It's pinch. It's zooming in. Mm-hmm. But you still scroll. Yes, I still scroll. But the one to one. It's all about the one to one. What um. Hmm. It's all about the one-to-one relationship yeah. between what you're browsing. You get exactly to the content your eyes want to be at. Mm-hmm. Does this fold all the way over? It does. Like the yoga? It oh. just goes flat. Okay. So it, it is a laptop, not mm-hmm. a tablet laptop hybrid. Yep. Um, fingerprint sensor? Does it work? Or is uh, it the old scanny kind? It's the old scanny kind. Hmm. That's sad. It works as, as well as ever. As well as those have ever worked. So not very. Um... Uh, I've been. I'm still using the 13-inch MacBook Air Retina. It's a really nice little laptop. The the mid 2015 update or whatever they called this one, the Force Touch touchpad is awesome. It is a really really nice way to interact with the computer. Do you think your your if there was so theoretically speaking, if there was a Mac that had the good Apple touchpad and a touchscreen, do you think you'd still be using the touchscreen as much as you do on the Windows laptop, or is it just because of the or do you just go to the touch the, oh, yes, the, the touch on the laptop? Yeah, it, it's not because the it's trackpad not, here is not is bad. good. Okay, it's because there's a purposes for. I think I think uh, there's a purpose for the trackpad and a purpose for touchscreen. And do you always carry and, a microfiber to wipe fingerprints off with, or no? No. Okay. Um, battery life is pretty incredible. Coming from a 2012. MacBook Air, I'm getting, like, I can literally work all day on a battery, which I've done a couple of times just to see if I can. Like, walked into the other room, sat down on on the couch or a chair, and sat and typed and used the internet and watched videos and the whole thing, everything we do um, on the laptop. It's uh, uh, capable enough that I can do, uh, process a 30-minute podcast without a massive amount of hassle, a video podcast without a massive weight like I would have had on the old laptop. Hmm. Um, it still obviously doesn't compare to my 12, you know, my, my hexa-core desktop machine. 
Um, but it's, it's, it's entirely workable in a pinch. Like I, I, I wondered if I should have gone to the 15 inch and gotten the quad core. I was a little disappointed you couldn't get a quad core in the 13 inch. Um, but I feel like it's entirely, entirely a- adequate. I have um, the first Haswell MacBook Pro mm-hmm. and that battery is as good as it was the day I got it. It yeah, still holds up it. all day long. What did you say, No, You guys should compare it. Sure. We can, we can do a side-by-side rundown if you want. Just put them up. Put the same video loop on them and let it go. Is the follow-up to Haswell supposed to improve battery life even more? This is the follow-up to Haswell. Oh, that is. This is Broadwell U. That's Broadwell. Right? You? Broadwell U. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Remember, there was two generations of Haswell. Mm-hmm. So which one? Yours is the first generation of Haswell. It was the first. First yeah. Haswell. Okay. Um, so this is technically the two years after, which for laptops, that's way too soon to upgrade, I think. But it, it's some yeah. people do every two years. That first Haswell had a huge battery life jump, though. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, I was starting to see at, at three years into my MacBook Air, I was starting to see the battery fall off the cliff. Okay. Um, I was going, I'd gone from, I can take a cross country flight and I'll run out of battery about West Tennessee <laughs> to, I can take a cross country flight and I'll run out of battery in, you know, West, East Nebraska or East Oklahoma, not Arkansas. And also we're people who, unlike most people, uh, we don't think about replacing the batteries. I think a lot of people replace their get their batteries replaced by Apple, and then you know they're fair, 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 yeah, almost good as new. I mean, and, and you know if you if you back up all your data, wipe it, get the battery replaced, and get fresh install the OS, you're going to have a great laptop. Well, for for me, the big thing that changed with the Air is that we went from doing practically no video. Um, I, I went from never practice processing video to processing video all the time and having more storage and a bigger CPU was kind of important. Um, so anyway, that's it for me. Norm Radian mod. Uh, I what, did, oh, two years ago, I borrowed Jeremy's Radian mm-hmm. time-lapse, uh, Kickstarter time-lapse, uh, motion time-lapse device. Um, that you got off Kickstarter, like I have, Alpine Labs, and based out of Stanford, yeah. makes it. Uh, and they also make a what is it? Interval, intervalometer, or whatever. Intervalometer. Inf- intervalometer. Are they the time lapse plus people, or are they the other no. one? Uh, it's not the genie. It's not the time lapse plus. Uh, seemed like there were a ton of those like three years it ago. It was an Kickstarter. early Kickstarter favorite. Yeah, the Radian uh, is a time lapse pan. So device. it has a stepper motor and the intervalometer built in, and then also a really good app. I think is probably the best part of it. Uh, other other hardware has they all have decent apps now. Don't you set the app using the audio jack of the phone? You do, and I thought that was one of those most interesting things. Yeah. It's like the square chip, like just turning audio signals into data. Into data, but mostly it's just you know numbers, mm-hmm. right? Um, that like was credit card numbers. That that using the the phone jack thing was an early way to get access, like Square. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah and it made it made it cross platform, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. you know early on really important and no license for a, you know, mm-hmm. a special lightning exactly. cord or right. something. So I thought that was, that was really clever. It worked really well, still works really well. Uh, and then I did some fun stuff with it to get to do a different type of, uh, time-lapse, uh, action. There's a living with photography about it on the site right now, right? Yes. You did a cool thing with it. I must say you should let the reading guys know about that. Uh, you should, yeah, they might retweet. <laughs> I could Get your you. retweet. I could. I should, could. You could build up to that fifty path to a thousand retweets, Norm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, Jeremy, anything you've been testing? You want to talk about? 
I always forget what I've been testing when I get to this we segment. We should make a list. <laughs> I should make a list. One thing I, I tested was the Apollo 11 Oculus app. Have you guys tried the that? The VR thing? Yeah, the VR experience. Highly recommend it. Really? Yeah. Do you get to play as Buzz Aldrin? You don't play. It's an oh. experience. And these guys... <laughs> It was a Kickstarter and they were funded, so they're going to complete, you're going to be able to do the entire Apollo 11 mission, but their demo is compelling, to say the least. Hmm. You are, it, it's basically a educational app. And I think- Is they, it edutainment or is it educational? I think it's educational because okay. it, I think this is going to really turn some kids on. It turned me on. I mean, you are in the cockpit and that's after you watch the bulk of Kennedy's speech where he says we're going to the moon, you know? Uh, By the end of this decade, we will land a man on the moon and return him safely to Earth. Right. Except yeah. I did with a Nixon voice, so I apologize. <laughs> Ghost of Robert Kennedy. Uh, Why John do F. we Kennedy? climb the highest mountain and do the other thing? Yeah. Because they are hard, right? That Whatever yeah. he said. That's, that's incorrect. But yeah, that's the one. I got the gist. And the, you watch that in a virtual environment on an old TV and, or in, on a movie projector. And then you see the, what is it? The Saturn 11? Saturn rocket? 5. Saturn 5 rocket. Thank you. You're the worst nerd I've ever met, Jeremy. I'm so disappointed. Disappointed in Apollo here. 11, hey. Saturn 5. So maybe I wasn't educated as well as perhaps. I mean, I'm the product the of kids were. Tennessee public schools. It doesn't get, I was number 48th in the country. No, I mean by this app. Oh. But, and then you go into the cockpit and then you take off and you can look out and all the instruments, you know, some of the instrumentation is actually synchronized to the actual radio transmissions. That's cool. And then you. Are you getting like mission control voice in your headset? Yeah. Okay. Well, well um, yeah. Yeah. And then you t take off and you can see outside the little window, the clouds and then the horizon of the earth and you go weightless in this pencil flight flight, you know. Can you, can you like move around the cabin at this Not point? Not at all. Okay. You're always. Just Strapped. Standing still. Okay. But your body goes up and down an elevator to get into the rocket and this kind of thing. And it's just, everything's to scale and it's a. It really actually pretty emotional experience. That's awesome. I would recommend it. Right? The, the, the Apollo stuff, you know, still, still incredible. Yes. F 50 years, 45 years. Absolutely. It's amazing. I'm getting all the audio in. It's a great way to experience that audio in, yeah. the, in, the, in the context of when it was delivered. Exactly. One of the first things I remember doing on the internet when I first got like, when I was in college, you could get slip or PPP internet access for like $3 a month, $3 a semester more than just a shell account. So one of the first things I did when I had that was I went to NASA's nasa.gov, which at that point was just like one flat page with a whole shitload of links off of it and maybe a banner or a picture or something at the top. And, um, they had, you could download the transcripts of the conversation between mission control and, and all the Apollo missions in their entireties. And it was fascinating reading to read the stuff that they did over because like, they were talking to him constantly like even during sleep there were sleep periods and stuff mm. but they still would wouldn't hesitate to wake him up and be like hey guys you're you're the you know the number four thruster is looking a little hot right now can you confirm blah 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 it's amazing i mean it's it's incredible that that we went to the moon just to get the transformium from the hidden Transformers <laughs> arc. You know, if you're that, buried by Apollo 11. If you're that much of a nerd, you really should try this app. I'm going to go download it you, as soon as I get home. You'd get into it. It's um, free? Yeah, I think the, the demo, demo is free. Is, yeah. yeah. If you want to get the full experience, you'll have to pay for it when, when no. that's available, but it'll be a while, right? Um, should we take a couple of questions and call it a show? Yep. Play thing. Emails? Oh, there well, we go. But we do the other one. Emails. It's, you know, we don't do emails, we do emails. No, 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 no. Questions. Boom. 
If you have a question for This Is Only Test, the email address is podcast at tested.com. Please keep your questions interesting and not just, hey, guys, should I get an Android phone or an iPhone? Um, our first question comes from Craig, and he says, hey, Will, Norman, Jeremy. I have an old Mac that has been my house's Plex server for the last few years, but I'm hoping to expand its functionality. I recently bought OS X server to do network time machine backups for the Macs in our house without Apple's time capsule, and there are many other features included in OS X server that I'm tempted to try a few of them out. Two of the features I'm thinking of setting up are VPN and profile slash device management. Um... I know Will did a write-up of his FreeNAS server a few weeks ago, but I didn't see mention of these two features. Do you guys use VPN on your home networks? And if so, do you find it useful? Have you ever tried device management? I like the idea of being able to access settings on various computers and keep all of our Apple devices updated, but I don't want to feel like a network admin for our house if it requires too much maintenance. What's been your experience with more complicated home server maintenance? Um, so this is really two questions. The VPN thing is actually pretty useful. If, you, if, you, if your router supports VPN... Um, and you can make it the end node for a VPN client so that, for example, you can set up a free DNS, a dynamic DNS service like free DNS or something like that. So you have a domain that you can point your, your VPN client to and there's stuff connected to your network that would be handy to have access to as if you were inside your house, even when you're not inside your house, by all means set up a VPN. If, if you're thinking about using stuff like that for things like Plex or for gaming, or for um, like file browsing, it is not a great experience. So, like, it's not going to be fast because your upstream is probably pretty bad. Um, it is relatively easy to set up and doesn't take too long. So, that that is an easy one. As for the device management, have you either of you tried that stuff at all? Is that an OS 10 thing? It's an OS 10 server, oh. and it's basically like for small businesses or mid-sized businesses who issue iPhones and want to be able to remote wipe them and stuff like that. Yeah, you can you can do all or, or provide apps that aren't on the App Store, like custom apps. You can do that. I would not run that for home users because it's a mess. It's a, it's a pain in the ass to maintain. And if you mess something up, people will have to wipe their phones in order to get stuff back. And like if you make your wife wipe your her phone with the pictures of your kid on it, it's going to go bad for everyone. So I would say, yes, try VPNs. No, don't do the um, other thing. And if you want to try VPNs, you're better off doing it with like a DDWRT router rather than the OS X server, probably. Hmm. Um, on the FreeNAS side, I think you can do VPNs, you can do the dynamic DNS stuff, and you can do time capsule backups if you set up your Apple file shares right. So um, so it basically shows up just like a time capsule on my network at home and all my Macs back up to it, which is nice. Uh, next question is from uh, Marshall. Marshall says, hey guys, I'm considering getting a printer bot metal for the cost as well as the relative quality you get for that price. What, if anything practical, have you used your 3D printers to make? My five-year-old daughter and I enjoy watching print the mystery object, but the vast majority of things made seem to be made on the order of what you might call doll furniture. Just interested <laughs> if and how you actually use it beyond the videos. Uh, well put. Um, I've made a lot of dollhouse furniture. It's beautiful. Best stuff is dollhouse furniture. Um, the... I've made a bunch of brackets and things to hold things to other things that have been of varying degrees of usefulness. Um, I made a couple of clamps that turned out not so hot to hook an iPhone onto um, or an Android tablet onto like a flight controller for for uh, for that kind of stuff. I don't know. What have you printed? Have you printed useful stuff? You know, I keep waiting for that useful thing. I printed some picture frames. Spider Rover. I mean, I printed a soap dish. 
I have a, a, a okay. toothbrush holder for my children. Do they like it? Sure. And it was free. And a, a lot of toys. Like, the kids like toys. That There's an element of practicality there because you don't have to buy toys. At one point, I printed about 30 Joey Famelli heads. Keeps them busy looking. My daughter loves those things. Keeps the kids busy browsing Thingiverse. Um, the, the, I printed, actually. They browse? Yeah. And then tell you, can yep. you print that? That's yep. great. That's awesome. That's practical. I, um, <laughs> that's childcare. I mean, you you have to pay $20, $30 an hour for that in Precisely. San Francisco. Um, I printed a bunch of like, uh, relatively simple things like picture frame holders. So there's a, there's a one in particular that I really like. That's just two arms with a hole for a screw. And then the arms kind of grab the, a four by six or five by seven printer. Oh, picture. Neat. Yeah. So it looks like an, a photo that's just floating like an inch and a half off the wall. Yeah. Um, the uh, when we were in the old office in the basement, the urinal, the thing that <laughs> held the urinal divider up God. broke. Uh, somebody was leaning on it, perhaps after drinking one night and broke it off the wall and broke the metal because it had swayed back and forth enough that the metal fatigued and then it just snapped. So I printed I, I opened up. Uh, what was it? Probably SketchUp made the object made a, an object that had the holes in the right place to go back on the wall and and fixed the urinal divider that's one of the best maker stories i've ever heard i mean who else has fixed a urinal divider that's awesome yeah, we that's clearly practical um i mean i could have probably gone to the hardware store and bought the piece for a lot less money and a lot less time but it's all good um what else did we printed that was practical well you helped me with the game frame i needed a, oh that's true that that's the actual rapid prototyping bore out the holes well yeah. no no yeah i needed you needed a reamer a reamer and we built a custom reamer that was perfectly sized for the holes yep um, like like, here's, here's as a rapid prototyper. I mean that that's the thing is if you need if you need a way to make things that are weird shapes that are hard to manufacture, um, it's great for that. Yeah. If you want something to make small, inconsequential, mostly inanimate toys for your children, also great for that. Um, if you can use if you can draw stuff and then can add like if if you have if you can draw stuff in a two D way and then like having extruded versions of those things would be useful to you. Really, really good for that. So for example, um, if you wanted to make coasters that look like space invaders, dudes, super easy to do really cool. People always comment on them. Um, if you have casting or, um, if you know how to cast resin or in plastic and we've done videos about that, so it's easy to learn. Um, you can use the 3d printer to make blanks to do the initial print rather than having to sculpt or machine or whatever the stuff that you want to make. So, um, but it, you're not going to print like, you're not going to print action figures with it. You're not going to print a millennium Falcon that your kids are going to play with. You're going to print a Sure you can. Okay. You're not going to print something they're going to play with for very long, probably, but it's going to cost you pennies and it'll cost you right. The, the thing it costs you is time. So um, a little bit of plastic, a lot of time, a little bit of electricity. Yeah. The um, the if, cool thing is kids can also model things. I mean, as long as we're talking about what kids right. can get out of this, they can hop into the easy, easy stuff like Tinkercad and come hit print and actually be engaged in the whole process. Well, and, and just like Arduino, I think, is a really good way to learn how to write basic programs because you have tangible physical feedback on, on the code that you write. It makes it much easier to understand, I think. Yeah. Um, having the ability to 3D print stuff especially if you have kids or if you want to just learn how to do 3d modeling, it's a real strong incentive to, to practice and get better. Yeah. Um, and, and in this case, 3d modeling can mean anything from like 
using programs like Maya or 3D Studio Max to sculpt amazing things all the way down to straight up like graph paper drawings that you extrude out into the third dimension and, and then maybe cut holes in the right places. So, um, one more question. Uh, one quick oh, yeah. thing on the subject of 3d printers, uh, this, uh, Matt tweeted at us earlier today. Did you guys see that? Yes. Recommended. We mentioned the Tyco Univati 3d printer, which is currently a Kickstarter uh-huh. o- over a million dollars already. It- yeah, it's one hundred and seventy nine dollars, which is nuts. Yeah, um, well, it's a Rostock design, Rostov, Rostock, something like that. So instead of having an X Y axis, it has three yes. arms that move that it pushes and pulls against. Um, the upshot of that is it's much better at doing like cylindrical stuff than say our our traditional X Y axis machined rods printers. Um, but there I, have been those types of printers, but this is a low price point. This is the first one I've seen. A, that's at the, anywhere near this price point. Um, the, for whatever reason, I, and I don't have any experience with these printers at all, so I, I, don't, I don't know what the pros and cons of them are. As, as Sean Charlesworth, our 3D printing expert, points out, all 3D printers have, have some things that they're really good at and some things that are going to be a nightmare. My guess is that like making stuff that's square with those is going to be a little bit more challenging because of the way the arms work. Um, so if you want to have, have rectilinear shapes, you might, they it might not be awesome for that. Um, I was immediately skeptical of the release on that platform platform because they have a flexible print bed for it, mm-hmm. which seems super unreliable to me. But I'm gonna I'll Kickstarter. I'll back one for 180 bucks. We'll we'll mm-hmm. get one in and test it out. Yeah, it's got um, a smaller print area than the PrinterBot Simple Metal, but, which is kind of stood out to me. No, I I actually am ready to upgrade because of that. Oh really? The, the six square inches is just a little tight. Six I mean, cubic inches. Sorry, yeah, six yeah. cubic inches. So there's that. Um, I guess it's 36 cubic inches because it's six inches. Isn't it six inches cubed? Yeah. So okay. it's six times six times six. Yes. That's just 180 cubic inches. million cubic inches. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, last question is from Bryce. He says, hey, guys, I just got a micro drone. It's only... Um, one and a half inches wide, maybe two inches for my birthday. It's small enough to fly inside, but I'm not the best pilot. What kind of exercises or self-training would you recommend to get better at flying? Uh, Is this a millhouse answer? Flying circles. Perfectly level figure eights? Perfectly level figure eights. Yeah. Um, no, honestly, figure eights are difficult. Yeah. And when you do a figure eight, do you fly... With I can't the front. Do figure eight well. Okay, so when you're practicing, <laughs> oh, you, do no, no, you no. try to fly straight or do you try to do you circle straight turns? I don't actually. Do, if it, you're doing a figure, a, a true figure eight, f- for you're turning with the yaw stick, actually, not just circle strafing. Yeah, you actually have to yaw and turn, and yeah. not just have it point one direction and kind of you know right. oh, no, position. Yeah, that, no, that is, that is he? Fl- he's flying indoors. Indoors. I don't recommend figure eights indoors. I think that's nuts. What do you do indoors? So difficult. Depends on your room. I think if you get a Phantom, definitely. It's a ton of fun. You feel like you're sliding. I love the figure eights outside. Outside, yes. Yeah. But in- indoors, indoors. I don't know, man. Uh, maybe figure eights, but just strafing, right? Just, just not yaw. Just keep it pointed away from you. You think but yeah. You think just, just the lateral movements? S- yeah. Stay behind it so that forward is always away from that, you. That's how you start. Absolutely. Yeah. But then you got to learn at some point, and it's better yeah. to learn with the small one well, than the big one. Uh, then I say you go for a, a downward spiral. A downward spiral, not a figure full eight, circle. not a figure. Sure, circle. sure, sure, fine. Yeah, yeah. But then bring it down a little bit and come downward spiral. I'd say do a circle That's clockwise a- and then do a circle counterclockwise. <laughs> okay. And yeah. then once you can do that and make perfect circles, then switch perfect to the figure circles. eight. Uh, the thing That's Try crazy. to do a circle where the circle itself doesn't need to be perfect, but end the quadcopter 
where you started it. One of the other things I do with the with the Nano that I have at home is I try to fly through doors. Uh huh. Like I'll fly, like I have a loop for, through my kitchen, and you know basically I can fly from the dining room into the kitchen, into the hallway, into the living room, into the dining room so again. So you can't see it at some point. Well, you have we, I follow it. Okay. Which or I have it fly toward me or whatever. Like the thing that I always have a hard time with is switching. As when the copter is going away from me, switching from left is left and yeah. right is right to totally. when it's coming toward me, right is left and left is right. That's the hardest thing. Yeah. Um, if like, I feel like after an hour or so of flying at any given time, I kind of am internalized with that now. Like I don't have to think about it anymore. Um, but the first 10 minutes are always scary. And if you only have one battery, you, you have like, like that's half of your flight time. Yeah. So get good at that stuff. Get good at, get good at flying towards you and steering around stuff. Set up an obstacle course, like literally get a hula hoop and some dowels and make some stuff to fly under and fly over. Um, the nice thing with those tiny quads is that they're really hard to actually break. You might have to replace props or something, but you, you can't really do that much damage to them or personal property. So, you know, always fly safe. Don't fly around pets and stuff, but, or small children, but, but, um, you know, build build an obstacle course for yourself. Fly through tubes. Learn how to fly through tubes. Um, and that'll do it for us this week, I guess. Can um, I throw one more thing in? Yeah, absolutely. This, this should have been in the news, but my friend uh, released a demo at this demo party last weekend. Okay. In the old school competition, and he won it. It's called 8088 miles per hour. 8088 miles per hour? Yeah. So Is the, this a Back to the Future thing? It's a reference, obviously, to Back to the Future, but the 8088 was the first IBM PC uh, microprocessor mm-hmm. came out in 1981 dude made a demo displays a thousand colors and it has all kinds of effects so he made a demo for the 8088 yeah for the 1981 original ibm pc i, that, I didn't think that thing could show a thousand colors it can't but he did it Al- wow. along with uh crazy you know music <coughs> and effects and geometry all kinds of cool so, stuff and so, he ran it on that machine uh-huh wow. so can i is there a way for me to run it on a modern computer no you have oh. to have original hardware it breaks every emulator but so if you uh-huh. if you <laughs> If you uh, Google 8088 miles per hour, it's been getting some some press. I saw it pop up in my feed a couple of times, and it wasn't all associated with you. So. Is there a YouTube no. video that yeah. it shows? Yeah, you? We'll, we'll put it on the site. Um, that'll do it for us this week. Jeremy Williams, at Jareware. Yep, on Twitter. Uh, where else? Anything else? Anything else? No. Okay, that's it for this <laughs> yeah, week. That's it. Uh, Norman Chan, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, Joey and I are going to Seattle. Where, where are you, what are you into? Anything? Are you just taking a week off here between cons? Yes. Con season is upon us. Oh, I'm, I'll probably be testing the MacBook. Oh, the little MacBook. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you going to the store on Friday? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, they're not doing pre-orders, so. Yeah. I'm, I, well, you know, oh, yeah, I guess they're not doing the, I'll go to the store to take photos with this camera I'm testing of people buying watches mm-hmm. or pre-ordering watches and yeah. trying on watches and then also to buy the MacBook. Hopefully they'll have the one I want to test. Which one are you going to get? Five twelve gray. You should stay up. Are you, you going to stay up late on Friday? Friday, you mean Thursday, Thursday night? night? Uh, yeah, sorry, Thursday night. Tomorrow night, Friday morning. Tonight, uh, quotes. Um, for you might be able to set up an appointment for that very same day to try it. Mm-hmm. Just saying, San Francisco is a very tech-heavy, popular town. It is, but you're diligent. Yeah, I guess why, why not? Why not? Um. Well, I'll be up in a hotel room at midnight in Seattle looking at internet, trying to pre-order watches so I don't have to Where's the Apple store in Seattle? Oh. I mean, you're not going to try for a demo either? Friday's pretty busy. Okay. Yeah, we're going to go see, we're seeing the Starbucks mothership on Friday. So we're going up for two things. There's a coffee convention, then we're getting a couple of demos, um, and we're going to shoot some video with some other people who do cool stuff up there while we're there, and that'll all be up on the site. Uh, not too, 
differing speeds. Um, but that'll do it for us this week. Uh, Norman Chan, you're at N Chan on Twitter. I'm at Will Smith. Uh, thank you guys for watching. Thank you for supporting Tested. Um, if you like the podcast, give us a review on iTunes, like us on YouTube, all the stuff that we say on Still Untitled every week. Um, and new episode of Creature Geek Friday. There was a new episode of A Bunch of Dads last Friday. Um, hopefully a new episode of, Cre- of A Bunch of Dads next Friday again. Um, we're going to get this Friday podcast thing going. Um, and until then, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Oh, uh, today's outro is brought to you by, I think, General Desire. Um, it is this one right here. Hi there, I didn't see you. That's it. You know what else I do when I'm uh, playing in bed? Every three days. That's it. It was General Desire. See you guys next week. Change out those pillowcases.